I was in playing a folk festival in Israel, mm. outside of Tel Aviv, and with the young Californians. And this guy Warren Etner came up, and he just graduated from UCLA. And he said, "I I like the way you play guitar." And he gave me his telephone number. And so when I got back about a year and a half later, I got to LA for the first time. I I was at my girlfriend's house. I opened my rucksack, and this little piece of paper fluttered out, and I, and I picked it up, and it was his number on it. And at, at that, if I hadn't seen it. If it stayed in there and I'd washed it, it would have been all different. But I saw the thing flutter. I grabbed it. I went, oh, yeah, Warren. Yeah. I called him up. We wrote uh, Beating Around the Bush, which is on the first, uh, first Grassroot album. album. And uh, next song that they we submitted that to Dunhill Records, and they needed a band because they had Where Were You, and they needed a band. So we went in, Warren and I, and a guy, a friend of mine that I had a band with later called Bobby Ray. And I think Bones Howe. It was either Bones Howe or Hal Blaine played drums. Warren and I, and Bobby, and then we did uh, uh, Let's Live for Today. Mm-hmm. And then they gave us a shot. When I think of all the worries people seem to find And how they're in a hurry to complicate their minds By chasing after money and dreams that can't come true I'm glad that we are different, we've better things to do May others plan their future, I'm busy loving you Take it nice and easy and use my simple plan You'll be my loving woman, I'll be your loving man We'll take the most from living, have pleasure while we can Two, three, four,
world, bro. I don't know oh, where to begin. We are North Americans. And for those of you who still think we're from England, we're not. Yo. We put our planes and our trains till we think we might die. Far from North America, where the buildings are old and you might have lots of mimes. Uh huh, uh huh. I hate the feeling when you're looking at me that way. Cause we're North Americans, but if we act all shy, it'll make it okay. It makes it go away. Oh, I don't know, I don't know, oh, where to begin. When we're North American, but in the end, make the same mistakes all over again. Come on, North America! Yeah, buddies, it's the Run of Face show on what I'm now calling Tuesday. Tuesday. And from this point on, I want Tuesdays to follow Monday, and then uh, we'll bring Wednesday, and then when we get to that, we'll work on it the rest of the week. Okay. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. This is the point of the show that we take your Ichibans. Ichiban. Ichiban, that's an Asian word that means number two. So this would oh, be the number two no, story no. of the day. Whatever you think is the big story, this is the story that should follow it, i.e. Um, the Ichiban. Like, in other words, if you were yeah. in second place, I would say, here comes number two, no, no, that's, Pepper Hamburger. <laughs> Peppy, Peppy Hamburger. Ichiban's number one. I'm sorry, did I offend you with your <laughs> fucking nickname? <laughs> If I recall correctly, that old woman was called Peppy. Excuse me. Let, me. let me go out of my way to apologize. And this is my second apology today, or my Ichiban apology, that I've had to make. Um, there's not a lot we can do about this, Peppy. But the Ichiban, of course, means number two. Number two. No. Uh, here is uh, Chris. You're the second caller of the day after Peppy Hamburger. I'm here. I'm not calling in. Well, I thought you had your phone out. But it's here. Sure. Is that a phone or a camera or a text machine? <laughs> Could you? Can I borrow your text machine? There's a keyboard on it. There is. It's not a phone. You're gonna put a keyboard and it's a fucking camera. Let's stop calling it a phone. Fucking thing says QWERTY on it. I like to start and call it a communicator. All right. Star Trek this shit up. What do you mean Star Trek? I haven't seen it yet. Don't fucking oh, ruin it for sorry. me, Peppy Hamburger. Sorry. Um, what about your other nickname, Teddy Baseball? <laughs> okay. Teddy Ball Game. <laughs> uh, let's go over here to Chris in Cleveland. Hey, what's up, Ronnie B? Yeah. Hey, man, I wasn't really calling in with an Ichiban, but uh, I got one for you. Little, little Robbie Cano wins one. Uh, wins the home run derby there. It was, in, uh, uh, it was actually fashion. a lot of fun. That was cool. You can't beat home run derby. It's a you really no, can't. it was pretty solid. Yeah. And then have uh, his dad following. pitched home, too. <laughs> that was fucking nuts. Now, Can I here's, give you a little compliment? Because here's, here's my problem. If I was in the home run derby and my dad was pitching to me, I'd keep grounding out because he's <laughs> fucking throwing either the sinker or the Cuban palm. Damn. Rough. 
So, Guy, what were you saying? Chris? Uh, I was just going to give you a little compliment. I was listening to uh, the replay. Didn't get to listen to you guys live yesterday. And the way you were handling that uh, that woman with the hip problem, calling and looking for compassion, I was cracking up. Well, when you said, uh, she... I'm not your sister, and when did your boyfriend leave you, and all that stuff. Yeah, just, when... wanted to give you, just wanted to give you props on it. That was pretty much it, man. Uh, I actually, it was, and we're actually on the same side of the same story here. I just said that the marijuana people need to stop acting like it's medicine and just acting like it's high weed. Yeah, high weed. And there's no reason people can't have high weed. Come on. Then, so this is why I got a lot of angry emails last night. Because I took a call from a DA agent. And fucking so many people wrote in to me going, with your background, I can't believe you talk. I'm like, it's a fucking person. You narc. And by the way, he isn't even looking for you. You got nothing. He's looking for massive amounts of drugs. Yeah. Just fucking piles of cocaine. Uh, but the uh, hip girl uh, wrote it. What are you are you telling me that um, we got a song about her? No name. Pull a little something together for her. All right. Well, let's. Uh, she was angry because I said it wasn't medicine. And yeah. honestly, marijuana gives her such relief with her bad hip. Yeah, that bum hip of hers. Uh. And it got a little strong in here. Mm -hmm. Well, before we get to the song, she wrote me uh, a letter last night, an email. Uh, Nicole is her name. I just, well, she starts it with Dearest Ron Bennington. I just wanted to drop a quick note to say thank you for allowing me a few minutes to get my point across today. It was very kind of you. You would not have thought that this was our relationship no, after the call. not at all. I'm just sorry that I came across a little brash as to something I'm passionate about, kind of like Fez and gay marriage. Fez is against gay marriage, and he thinks it could lead to people marrying hippos. I'm for it. Huh? I'm very for gay marriage. Well, one last thing I wanted to tell you about, but, but, but all the topical oils, the topical application of the cannabis extracted with the oils can be used without feeling any of the high that would uh, accompany other ingestion ma methods like cannamilk or smoking vaporizing. Cannamilk. But it will at least provide at least some relief to many different types of pains. I want others to have access to these medicines too, rather than have to start addictive opiates for relief. Please know how grateful I am for the time you gave me today. Thank you, kind sir. I hope this finds you well. Well, that's very, very nice. And the guys made up a, No Name made up a song about that's it. That's right, No Name. All right, this is uh, my new friend, Nicole the Hip Girl. Yeah. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Now here's what I say: the toe bone connected to the foot bone, the foot bone connected to the ankle bone, the ankle bone connected to the shin bone, shin bone connected to the knee bone, the knee bone connected to the thigh bone, the thigh bone connected to the hip bone, the hip bone connected to the Oh, but you don't have a good hip bone Cause your hip bone's all fucked up She's got a fucked up hip bone <laughs> There's a cruelty to that song It's mean, no name, mean And after she wrote to me, dearest Ron Bennington yeah. And I hope this finds you well I guess if you have uh, medicinal marijuana, it makes you feel like you're in the 1830s. <laughs>
She somehow emailed this using some kind of like a feather pen. <laughs> it's steampunk. It's a steampunk email. Oh, God. How I love the steampunk. Oh, yeah. Let's start dressing steampunk. Okay, sure. And let's start doing steampunk radio. All right. All steampunk all the time. Sure. Oh, throw that tubes. in the fucking trash, please. Thanks. If not, look, I get loaded over here. It's just loaded down. There's just a bit. loaded. Um, coming up a, a little bit, it's the greatest documentary filmmaker of all time, Earl Morris, is going to be doing the show today. Uh, also, do we know if Susie's in? Susie's in. From the greatest uh, TV show known to man, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Exciting. Uh, the, I'm going to say heart and spirit of that show, Susie Essman stopping in oh she's so great we had her husband jeff garland just a couple days ago <laughs> yeah. boy he's happy to be away from her for a while <laughs> well yeah i saw i finally saw the first episode i don't know what's gonna happen with them um curb, well worried. everyone else is getting a divorce and he hasn't got one <laughs> he feels really left really out, left out. <laughs> feels really really left out uh, anyway i like nicole a lot and i liked her being all fucking crazy and sticking up saying it's medicine for her it sure is. Personally, if I was her, I'd get on those opiates and get addicted. <laughs> get a lot higher. So I've never seen anything bad happen to anyone who stayed on opiates for any extended period of time. No. Uh, Tom in Philly. How are you, buddy? Hey, Ronnie. I got an itchy bond for you. Roy Holiday starting tonight for the National League. I'm thinking he's going to throw a perfect game. You know, here's the problem. So many guys don't even want to fucking play in this game. Because they like to have a little time off, yeah, rest. rest them bones. That's right. And, um, you know, it used to be the big thing of, like, the pride that you would have that your pitcher was starting this. I got to admit, I'm a little fucking nervous. Like, don't let anything happen to him. For the love of God. I don't, still get injured. I don't know why I don't feel nervous any other game. Because <laughs> this one doesn't count. It doesn't, well, it counts. It does it count to me. Field. If, it, if it's, God forbid, what fucking Blowhard says... The fantasy of fantasy. If you're playing the Yankees, yeah, you want in the series, you don't want to give up home field advantage. No, 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 no. You don't want to have to play foe in Yankee Stadium. But seriously, they should just let Bono two batters and get him the hell out of there. If that, uh, your hero Derek Jeter, Mister Three Thousand, as right. you're now calling him, Three K, uh, not showing up, and a lot of people are disappointed in it uh, because he is. Whether you like it or not, right now, he's the face of baseball. Oh, hell yeah. Don't go calling up saying, oh, he's not the best player. Doesn't matter. He, right now, he's the face of baseball. He's at that point where, you know, and I don't know how this happened. felt like it happened fast, but he's become the elder statesman. Oh, yeah, and that's 37. He, rep he represents class. He represents the game, the right way of doing things. And then when he doesn't show up. It doesn't look good. I'll be honest. Why couldn't he just fucking show up there? I know, yeah, just even hang out in the crowd. Well, not the crowd, no, but he could be the dugout, out, he comes out, out. Behind the dugout. You know, he waves the fucking hat, but just like barely like, you know what, I'm going to tip my hat because you asked for it, but I really don't feel like I am tipping it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, this is stupid, but look, I'm going to give you, and then everyone is fucking crazy. Yeah. I don't know why that's the only time we ever like a tip of the hat. Oh, can't get enough of the tip. You're never going to just like be at a movie premiere and the director comes out, like Steven Spielberg comes out and everyone's clapping, and then he just slightly touches the brim and everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he hey, just Steve. his fucking hat. Tip it. Maybe they could just send Jeter's hat. Who else would tip it though? It's got to be tipped. 
Um, hey, uh, Gary, you're on the Ron Fez show. Ronnie B. Peppy, what's going on, boys? Fezzy, how are you? I hey. uh, got a little itchy bump for you. The IRS has felt the need to go out and tax this kid who gave the uh, ball back to Jeter as looking at the uh, seats and everything else that the Yankees gave him as a gift. So the uh, story's got it anywhere between five to $13,000 worth of taxes that they're going to throw at him. Yeah, but then he puts in his taxes what he gave back to Jeter, and then oh. he, uh, you know, then he's That's fucking nice. at a loss there. He doesn't pay any fucking taxes this year. Well, let's face it, this kid ain't going to be working anywhere anyway, is he? No, he's like 23 years old. And he's got a fucking degree and I don't know, dog shit. Yeah, boy, the government or something. Yeah, there's nothing he's going to get fucking paid for. Totally useless. But he'll put that in as a gift to Jeter. You would hope he's smart enough or someone tells him to do that. Because it's amazing that they're even going after him. Not if you've ever been to a track. I've been to many a day at Belmont. It's just fucking awful. Fuck that, that IRS off. line. It, isn't it fucking terrible? Like, suddenly now you're cutting them in? Yeah. It's like they're at the track with you. Now go to the special fucking thing, because you did really well. They were never going to fuck you. There's plenty of guys. How much money is it? Uh, if you win over 600, you have to go to the, you have to go to the IRS line. What an asshole. And, they, and there's scumbags over there. Just well, Not scumbags, probably smart. Like, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks. Just put it, just do this under your name, because they can't pay taxes and shit. Of course they can't pay taxes, so they have number. That's why they can't pay taxes <laughs> for 10 years since they have. Look at these people. They're underneath society. It's great. It's great people. They're the there. fucking dregs. What a Haitian is drinking liquor out of two-liter plastic bottles. It's funny. Um, so fucking stupid. <laughs> the, the, then they, I actually want this thing to go... Cause, Cause was that really his possession? Yeah, I don't, I don't know because look, if you're at a fucking football game, they just come and take the football off you, no matter who you are. Oh, that's bullshit. They'll say this isn't your fucking football. Give it Property back. Property NFL. Same with the soccer. Throw it back. Basketball. Throw it back. Yeah. Baseball is the only sport because it's a fucking cheap little thing. Keep it. <laughs> but at that's that weird. fucking point, he never really owned it. Yeah, I mean, how long? It was like an hour between actually having his hand to fucking to Jeter's fucking hand? Until two fucking security guards <laughs> talked him into it, like a fucking idiot that he is. You gotta do this, man. I like to fucking catch him the day that, he, that his mom dies. I'll be living in that fucking house. He'll be walking down the street with a pinwheel and some gum. <laughs> Fezzy, why are you waving your hand at me? Oh, well, I have an Ichiban. Ichiban. This Rupert Murdoch scandal with News Corp, it is getting bigger and bigger. I don't know if he's going to be able to survive this thing without going to prison. Well, nobody's against him. No one's saying that he did it. He just owns the company. Right, but they're wondering how high up all these illegal practices went with hacking phone messages, getting into people's financial records, medical records, yeah. their taxes, and it, it goes up to the royal family was getting hacked. Uh, the former prime minister, Gordon Brown, mm -hmm. they, they went into his son's medical records. Right. So, I mean, it's like, if you're having targets as high up as someone who is as uh, big in politics as Gordon Brown was at the time, and the royal family, somebody at the top is signing off on that. If your targets are I, that big... See, I think it comes down to this. Just get it done, and I don't care how you get it done. We're going to give you money, you get it done. It's the same as the military. Remember... 
uh, after Abu Ghraib, everyone's acting like a general's going down for this. Mm -hmm. They never fucking do. It's always the goddamn hayseeds yeah. that fucking go down. They got Lindy England on that. Mm, yeah, and now the country fucking sleeps better. So, but it's also involving, you know, uh, police bribes, bribes to people that work for Scotland Yard. And now it's becoming, it's starting to... Well, the, you don't think that this happens with a hell of a lot of newspapers? That, uh, how many times have you seen a new newspaper where they'll have uh, pictures of a dead body that was already in the morgue? Because people have been paid off. And how quick they get a DUI, because cops can fucking call in, make themselves a couple hundred bucks by saying, here's the tip. But if he's influencing policy in that country by having things on politicians... Well, no one ever says he's done that. He, do he doesn't uh, call up and say, do this or we're going to expose you. He just hands out money. And he's not doing it. It's, this is one of the assets that he has. But I haven't seen anything that's tying in Murdoch. Now, his son, on the other hand, might be tied into this. Right, yeah. The, the kids may all be tied in. And this, it's now, it may be investigated in the United States as well. The Justice Department won't say if they're looking into it. But there's also some stock stuff with his daughter. That may have gone on in this country. Well, yeah. Here's what, so uh, now. E I mean, everything's getting blown open now. He, they, he, every little aspect of his life is being looked at. Right. You're right about that because once there's blood in the water, everybody who's been afraid of him or the newspaper business now is their chance to attack. You know what I'm saying? It's like um, that. Suddenly now they'll go after him for things that they would have been afraid to go after him uh, out for. Before, but that hasn't doesn't have a lot to do with this scandal. This scandal, the fact that he already dropped that newspaper, goes to show how seriously he's taking it. It's a hundred and sixty-eight year old newspaper. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I love that thing too. Had the best fucking gossipy shit in it. What ever. kind of stuff? Because I never read it. Um, it was, it was always online. It was, mm -hmm. it was like the mo the most like any celebrity doing coke. They had the video and the pictures and every every sex or drug scandal for any either big UK or semi big U US um person. Uh, they would have it all and they'd be the grimiest one. Well, the interesting thing about this is, did you see the person who brought him down, who wore a wire, and got the confession? No, who was I that? thought you were the expert on this. I didn't see this part. You Grant. You Grant was wearing a fucking wire, having a lunch with one of the reporters, and he was going, I know you fucking tapped my phone line and shit like that. And the guy was like, yeah, sure we did. That's what we do. We fucking tap phone lines. And they're just going back and forth. Yeah. And fucking you Grant got it all on fucking tape. It's <laughs> crazy. You fucking Grant. <laughs> Such a weird story. Yeah, it's the craziest. George Rich Michael's being called in to testify. Oh, good. But at the end of the day, there's going to be new newspapers, and the scandal sheets will always do, you know, great stuff. But it's not going to change the way we live. Yeah, but I think it's one thing if you have, like, a rogue reporter who's, like, slipping a cop money to find out about George Michael's arrest report. But when you're then getting into technology and hacking phone messages from Prince Charles and Prince William, then it's almost right. like sedition. Yeah, but for years they would, and, and I, I get what you're saying, you know, what they're doing is wrong, we already, there's already laws against it, but for years they would pay like the royal family's butlers 
and shit to give information. They're listening, overhearing conversations, passing along, maybe even reading mail. It's not like any of this stuff is new. You know, maybe the technology has changed, but the way uh, our people's scumbags, yeah. Yeah, there's fucking scumbag things. But who do you blame for that? You have to go back and blame the public for wanting this fucking information. You know what I mean? Like, you can't act like we read this paper. And I forget, it's something like 8 million fucking papers sold a week there. Jesus. Uh, yeah, we don't even have anything to compare. No, to. nothing, nothing that close. And they're reading shitty fucking stuff oh, week yeah. after week after yeah. week. And for now, for them to turn around and be appalled, how can you? If you're a person who loves fucking tabloid journalism, right? You love fucking hearing sick things about fucking whatever people's real personal shit. Then how can you sit around and go, well, that's not right to get involved in their personal business? You've got to feel some kind of uh, complicity, complicity there. Well, there's an appetite for it, but that doesn't mean that something illegal should be going on. Where, But it's already immoral. It's already immoral behavior. Mm -hmm. And it's also immoral behavior to be involved in other people's kind of fucking business as well. Now, yes, I agree 100%. You cannot break the law. And the law now is finally going to step in and do stuff. But this isn't going to change. And matter of fact, this is just kind of more tabloid stuff. <laughs> the fact that the, your interest in it doesn't isn't uh, coming from a place of what is journalism, how important is journalism to a society. It's right back into gossipy aspects. This is the story that they would be fucking covering. Yeah. This is the same thing that you would be reading in there. Yeah, celebrities, phone tapping, things right. fucking destroyed. It's, it's perfect. Exactly what they want. And I was watching this uh, show in uh, Britain where they were going back and forth, where the people were actually, you know, some of these tabloid reporters were saying, this is journalism, while celebrities were saying, it's not fucking journalism. It's just <laughs> gossip, and you hide behind journalism. Sounding. Uh, this is a long fucking discussion. You know, Elizabeth Taylor used to have to put up with this. Frank Sinatra had to put up with it. Fatty Arbuckle had to fucking put up with it. It's just something that we have. But to act like somehow this is removed from the general public, uh, I disagree 100%. And I don't see the public putting a fucking mirror up to their face going, does the fact that I want this kind of, what did you call it? There was like an appetite for it? Yeah. Well, if you have an appetite for drugs, you can't just turn around and fucking blame drug dealers. You know, it's the same kind of thing. It's like a, a bunch of people who are doing fucking dope and then yelling, how dare these people bring dope into this country illegally? How could this happen? I think one of the things that's really going to come down on them hard, besides, you know, the royal family, is that murdered girl case in England where they hacked into her phone and actually erased messages off of it, basically destroying evidence. Um, yeah, they deleted messages, so more messages would co come in. It wasn't so much that they um, destroyed evidence is what they're being accused of. It's the fact that the mother was like, hey, there's messages being deleted. That means she's still alive. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they just kept that going further. It's a scummy fucking case. 
There's no doubt about it. But um, I don't know what's going to be changed. Oh, I mean, the laws that are already there, you're not going to be able to break. But there's some people acting like we need new laws to uh, curb this somehow. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, um, I don't know if new laws are going to be in effect, but I think this is going to definitely get to Ru- all the way up to Rupert Murdoch. I don't think he's going to be able to keep throwing bodies out the window as sacrifices and not be touched himself. I think he's going to and he I'm sure he could end up in prison over this. Well, you don't have any evidence that he was ever into this. You, this is just you being titillated by the fucking story. No, it's and just it, starting. Right, but there's no way that he said I want you people to hack phone lines. I mean, you know what it's like with our CEO. He doesn't. He says, "I want you guys to go in there and do your show." He doesn't know what the fuck, you know, we do on a daily basis or what O and A do on a daily basis. And when O and A got in trouble, they cut it off right there. You know what I mean? Oh, those guys are nuts. Not the guys who hired Omer to set it up. That never happens that way. It's always the guys on the line. Um, that's just the history of the world. Uh, you know, when you're watching a football game and when the Raiders used to do a bunch of cheap shots, they didn't fucking take away the the, the team from Al Davis. The Raiders used to fucking spy on other people. Never gets blamed on the owners. Always gets blamed on the guys at the bottom. Um, the, is there a chance that Rupert will be fucking go to prison? I'm sure there is. But I don't see it happening. Not before he dies. No. I think we'll be able to keep that stretched out for a while. I mean, the guy's like a billionaire. Even if he did get charged against him, we'll be able to fucking string that along for years. Um, here's uh, Mike in D.C. You're in front of Fez. Yeah, I just want to let Fez know that he's wrong as usual. News Corp stock is up a couple percent today after being down the last couple of days. If people had any thought that Murdoch was at all going to be in trouble, the stock would be down huge. So, you know, the story's already over as far as Murdoch's concerned. And like, uh, like Ron said, it's just the lackeys at the newspapers are going to get busted. I mean, the, the, the fact that he already just took his asset and fucking drilled it into the ground uh, goes to show that he's going to say, hey, look. As soon as I found out about this, Done. I got rid of it. I had sold 8 million copies a week, and I got rid of it. You know? Yeah. Then he turns around, look at all the awards we've won for this thing. This, blah, blah, blah. Focus on the good, people. <laughs> um, Kevin, you're on the Manifest Show. Hey, guys. Uh, got an Ichiban for you. Uh, oh. Ichiban. Ichiban. Yeah, I saw where uh, Mila Kunis uh, is was invited to go to the Marine Corps ball by some uh, sergeant in the Marines via YouTube, and uh, she agreed to go to go with him. Just as he met the guy, just you know, decided to do something cool. Yeah, it just so happens she also has a movie coming out, Weird. and uh, so this guy does the hack bit of "Will you go out with me?" I'm in Afghanistan, yeah. and you know, then it goes viral, and everybody picks it up. And what is she supposed to go? No. Fuck him. I hate the troops. <laughs> I just want to point out to this guy, you ain't touching titty. You're walking in there with a movie star, and it's going to be the same way on the old happy days. She should probably go with five different fucking Marines that night. Oh, God, Mila. And then he actually does the rock bit at the beginning of it where he looks over his sunglasses. <laughs> you have anything of your own, dude? 
Hey, right place, right time, I guess. The fuck? And Justin Timberlake's like, you gotta do it, Mila, come yeah, on. Yeah, they want to say you gotta do it because of the troops. Yeah. They protect our freedom. Yeah. If this guy wasn't doing that, the, the other thing that the troops always uh, put on YouTube is, I'm surprising my daughter at her graduation. Yeah. Where there's a big box and we open it and the fucking the sergeant's in there and he's home. Why can't you just fucking come home? Like the guys from fucking Vietnam did. No, they just, just came home. Down trying off the plane. Uh, this thing has gotten to be... Because again... Nothing can happen in private. It has to happen where the whole world can fucking comment on it. But this YouTube thing has gotten so big. There's going to be some TV show. I think it's called Hack Homecoming. <laughs> where it's just guys coming home uh, so yeah, so and surprising their fucking family. Yeah. It's, it looks, it's just, I don't know. It's just hard, hard just want people to cry. They want people to cry right. on fucking home. Like, no, here's the thing. If you are watching it, and you see that little kid yell, Daddy, run, you get misty. But then you're thinking, why didn't somebody tell this kid a week ago, hey, your dad's going to be home next Thursday. <laughs> well, we We're going to have a cake. Big Bear TV this way, so. Well, if you have someone in your family who's overseas in the military and the giant box shows up, how are you possibly fooled anymore? Because they're children. They're, they're not doing this. Kids. To, to I the thought they were grandmother. It's happening to little kids. You could be you could put another giant box out there tomorrow. The kid's going to be surprised. <laughs> I can't begin to tell you how dumb a kid is. Yeah, they're not very bright. They don't even know how to light a cigarette. They're all fucking nervous. They're like, oh. Like, this lady's going to burn my arm off. Or, or, God forbid, they have matches. Yeah, they figure... <laughs> that oh, thing where oh. the match goes flying across the street. <laughs> Remember when you did that when you were little? Oh, yeah. The match was just like a missile. <laughs> I just don't get why you... Why something has to happen in public before it becomes real. It's, it's not even that. It's people just, it's just fucking you know, producers figuring out ways to make more money. I, this is my new thing. No, because you go to a fucking ballpark and you got to watch people get engaged oh, seven yeah. fucking times. Here's my new thing. If you want to give someone a diamond ring on the Jumbotron, if you're going to fucking share that intimate moment, then we got to watch you fuck on the Jumbotron. That's the fucking new rule that goes on out there. I'm going to rip off Bill Maher right now. You have to show us the honeymoon... You've got to mount her on the jumbotron <laughs> and let everybody like it's in and start to clap. Is he come yet? No, that'd be and crazy. Then, um, we boo if he puts on a condom. <laughs> <laughs> Pussy <laughs> ruins everything. Why would you do that? It's your fiance. <laughs> risk it. Risk it. Risk it. Risk it. Risk it. Stadium fucking yelling that would be the shit. We should just put up a uh, fucking. Now, here's what I worry about with this Mila Kunis. Don't let anything. The Marines got to make sure nothing happens to this stupid fucking sergeant. <laughs> oh, man, if he's all <laughs> fucked up and he has the wheelchair his ass in there. Oh, I was thinking worse, but okay. okay. <laughs> I was. I didn't want it to be even worse. Oh. Oh, it's so fucking. Crazy. It's so crazy. And then we're sitting around talking about the tabloids. We turn our own lives into tabloids. Yeah, we can't get we want it. It's fucking weird. I want uh, now I want to do it. I want to just fucking have a thing of me coming home from work surprising <laughs> my family. I made it home, everybody. <laughs> oh 
Why not? It, it, could, it could work. I, mean, I think just, it would. It probably wouldn't, like, it's not ready for network. There's, cable. There's a fucking show called King of Dirt. It's just a show about a contractor from Long Island. He's just him redoing people's lawns. I'll just come on. I want to say it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's... I've seen a few episodes. It's not that uh, Earlier in Manifest. Yeah, why don't they just uh, have a reality show uh, showing people getting divorce papers delivered to them if they want reactions? I think uh, we've had them. There's not a lot we haven't had. Uh, coming up just a little bit, the probably famous, uh, most famous and best documentary filmmaker of all time. Amazing. Earl Morris is uh, stopping in. Um, Gates of Heaven, Thin Blue Line. That was an amazing one. The Fog of War, he won the Oscar for. Yeah, it was just recently. Um, well, it was 2003. Recently enough. Not really. Oh. And then what was the one he did about Abu Ghraib, which was just... Oh, fucking crazy. And the new one is about is called Tabloid. Uh, interviews with Joyce McKinney, a former Miss Wyoming. And this is actually kind of cool because it ties in with the tabloid stuff. Because this was a gigantic thing back in the 70s. She kidnapped a Mormon guy that she was obsessed <laughs> with and raped him. What? Raped him. My tied God. him to a bed and raped him. So, what you were initially thinking is, how can it be rape? That's yeah. a big part of what the story is about. Um, and then later, she had the first cloned dog. She's fucking bad shit. <laughs> I swear to God, I watched this thing, and you're sitting there, and you're like, I can't believe these people are real. Uh, and he's able to do that. Earl Morris goes back and forth between these really kind of serious journalistic looks about some very very big things and then the rest of the stuff is he does is just nutty people doing nutty shit it's batshit crazy yeah. fucking that sounds amazing and, and stand, standard operating procedure was the Abu Ghraib one it's unbelievable and basically that goes back to what I told uh, Fez is the guys at the top the guys running the CIA aren't going to get in trouble it's going to be some hayseed grunts yeah that's the easy fucking fix for everybody. Yeah. Someone goes down, done, done. Look how many bodies we've already thrown you. Uh, so, um, again, if you're just now getting into documentary films, this is the guy that you need to start with. Uh, 1978's Gates of Heaven, 1988's Thin Blue Line, uh, The Guardian has made him one of the 40 best directors. Uh, Roger Ebert considers him one of the best directors in the world of any kind. Um, Academy Award for The Fog of War, uh, which is just stunning to sit back and hear uh, Robert uh, McNamara talk about the Vietnam War. The new one is called Tabloid, and it's a bunch of stuff uh, with updates from 1977, a big tabloid case. That was the biggest story of its day. Now, of course, long <laughs> forgotten. Um, coming into the studio, uh, Earl Morris.
Omar's in studio with us. Um, this is an incredibly crazy story, um, start to finish. Following her, did you remember when this was all going down in the nineteen seventies? Is was it a story that you've followed since then? Uh uh-uh. uh Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Story I discovered recently. Uh huh. AP wire service story. Uh, dog cloning. Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman who cloned her beloved pit bull booger produced five booger clones. And at the end of the AP wire service story, they mention a possible connection with a 30 year old sex in chains story. And Guess what? That caught my interest. That just the fact that both those things happen on a different points of her life. That within thirty years she's sex and chains, <laughs> dog cloning. You are that's correct, the, sir. That's the whole story for you. Well, it is amazing. Uh, now, most of the the stuff that was shot from the seventies. Who was this? Archive news footage? Did she shoot it? Where did you get a lot of that from? Different places. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of digging. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is a story that got a lot of traction in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of the big stories of the century. People still talk about it. Now, I wasn't aware of it, but mm-hmm. so what? Right. I'm aware of it now. <laughs> but the tabloid business, and of course, you know, right out of the headlines today, is even much bigger than Britain. Tabloids are in the headlines today? <laughs> yeah. But it's, their, their tabloids are, are w- w- way more fantastic than ours, I believe. Don't you think? They love the tabloid business. Hey, wait a second. We had the Weekly World News. We had Bat Boy Escapes from Cave. Yeah. We had Bill Clinton as a space alien. Um, different kinds of tabloids, but I think there's tabloids everywhere. Do you have a? Tennis- I'm not sure they're Iranian tabloids. <laughs> tabloids in Tehran. This is one of the things of freedom. You have to have a tabloid uh, thing to be to be free. Thank God for them. Yeah. Uh, with this story, I'm following this, and it was very odd because I saw it in the screening room with critics. And people were laughing hard. And normally that's an awful audience to sit down and watch uh, a film with. This is, these are guys that have seen, you know, 14 films every week their whole life. So they're normally terrible to sit in those screening rooms. But people were loving your film. And I think the thing about it is the fact that... The, these, well, wait a second. Were you loving it? I was, I, was going, I, I was in a big way. And I'll tell you why. is because this woman who you tend to start to become kind of a, a fan of hers. Through all this insanity, you're like, there's something to this woman that uh, is life-affirming. I agree, although mm-hmm. she kind of hates the movie and kind of hates me. Now, when did, when did she... When did it's you- my very, very best review. She calls tabloid the movie a celluloid catastrophe (laughs) did that hurt your feelings when you heard that did you want her to like it or it doesn't that's out of your hands Um, I'm a film director Mm -hmm. Uh, I make movies Uh, if someone uh, 
particularly someone who's in one of my movies calls it a quote-unquote celluloid catastrophe, does it hurt my feelings? Yeah. You betcha. Yeah. I haven't yet cried myself to sleep <laughs> over it. I respectfully disagree. Well, I, I maybe she'll have that opportunity to stand back because when it started... I, I I think when it started, I saw her as a two-dimensional person. Well, you have to have her on this program. Yeah, I would love to have her on. I would definitely love to have her on and try to to explain to her where this starts to come around, where I, I start to see her as, as, as kind of a hero of her own life. She's living her own way, but she definitely plays a hero role. A romantic heroine. Yeah. Um, I appeared with her on stage in L.A. last weekend. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, people are laughing, blah, 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 blah. The movie is really funny. Uh, and I said to Joyce, you are really, really funny. Uh, she says at one point in the movie, a woman can't rape a man. She had been accused mm -hmm. of raping. Right her ex-boyfriend kidnapping him with chloroform handcuffs and a fake gun and raping him in a love cottage in devon england so a woman can't rape a man it would be like stuffing a marshmallow in a parking meter <laughs> she knows she's funny she's yeah. one of the funniest people i've ever met um when this all went down they the the the, the british press uh, they were crazy about her, right? I mean, even though... Uh, there was a tabloid war. Yeah. I think that's the correct way to describe it. Tabloid papers were fighting over her and fighting over the way they wanted to tell her story. One paper saw her as a virgin. Another paper saw her as a whore. And they battled it out. Battled it out f for circulation. So, Would you prefer to read about the virgin or mm. would you prefer to read about the whore or would you prefer to read about both so it's almost like they they one tabloid took one side because that side was open to tell the story if if somebody would be telling the whore side of the story you don't want to be the second paper telling the horse side why not move over to the virgin side well here's the pitch you go see my movie, you go see Tabloid, and you get both stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two stories for the price of one. See, I think some people are confused by you because some of your films are focused on such serious topics, and other films that there's a part of you that loves these characters, that loves these people that kind of live on the outskirts of society. You betcha. Yeah. Have you always been drawn to that, though? Have you always been looking for people who kind of don't fit into the American mold? I would put it slightly differently. Mm. Uh, one of the great mysteries is what's inside our heads. I don't claim to even know myself, let alone you. I just walked right. into this, <laughs> this <is> madness. <laughs> um, but it is a mystery. Uh, particularly, and this is why we love tabloid stories, particularly when you have a story which is strange, pretend, sleazy, mm. um, lurid. Uh, who are these people? Why are they doing what they're doing? We're drawn in. Uh, for a tabloid story to really work, this is my theory, 
um, it has to be ordinary. It has to be on some level something that you could imagine yourself being part of. But at the same time, you say, thank God I'm not part of it. Right. And for some reason, I think for it to work, the reading audience has to feel somewhat superior to the choices that the person made in the story. Where the, the, the person has to go, I would never make that choice. You know, I would never grab an ex-boyfriend and, and tie him up and try to force him into this. So I think that, that the audience has to somehow feel, I wouldn't get caught up in this story. I wouldn't? Yeah. But I could. You could. It, it could happen. I think all of us, uh, myself included, have experienced some form of romantic, obsessive love. Yes. Obsession is the scary part of this entire story, isn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, the question, I, I remember this film with Walter Houston, an adaptation of Sinclair Lewis's Dodsworth, and Walter Houston says at one point, love has to stop somewhere short of insanity. Excuse me, Mr. Houston, not really. Mm, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't stop short of insanity, and in this movie tabloid, right? I think it goes the whole nine yards. Yeah, it really does. But, you know, even in, like, mainstream films, if the guy, there's so many times, like, oh, he loves her so much, he sleeps outside of the house, he shows up at her work. These are all things people will get arrested for in real life, you know? And yet, the if you watch a romantic comedy, he gets the girl at the end of it. So I guess it's not that surprising that some people could be very, very confused about how far you go for love. Well, love is a pretty damn confusing sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, obsession also, I guess, has to take place when you're entering new work. Uh, for you, for a, a, a film of yours that's going to take for years, that you say you're going to dig and dig and dig, shoot these interviews, and then edit, edit, edit forever, you have to have some amount of obsession, I would guess. Are you making an accusation? I am making an accusation at you right now. I'm wondering if there shouldn't be a film about you. Well, there may well be in the yeah. future. But I'm a detective. I believe detectives are born, not made. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been investigating stuff as long as I can remember. Uh, and it's one of my great pleasures. Um, Maybe dogs dig a hole in the backyard. <laughs> I investigate stuff, uh, and I probably will keep doing it until I drop dead. Now, I, I imagine not all these can become films, right? Uh, not all of these interests that you have, not all the investigations that you begin end up being films. Alas, no. Mm. Um, uh, my... Uh, basement is filled with cardboard boxes of movies that really never got made. <laughs> uh, but at least I've made enough of them right. that I can keep going. Now, do you think to yourself, I'm going to get back and open those boxes and maybe one day finish those films? Or that's just old love affairs for you that's something that you'll never go back to i never give up you never give up no what is what is a film that's that's back there for you that you that you're dying to make what's one of those uh things that you've investigated 
uh, oddly, a lot of them are tabloid stories. Mm. Uh, I still want to make this one. It's a story of a dog that was put on trial for murder. The trial of King Boots. Um, true story. Winning a show dog in American history. Um, beloved family member. Possible killer. Uh, I had a tagline for the movie. It was to be called The Trial of King Boots. Only two people knew what really happened. One was dead. The other was a dog. The other was a dog. The other was a dog, yes. So how much time do you put into something like that before you're like, all right, even though it interests me, I'm not going to find the money? Because I, I imagine the only thing that keeps this from being made is finding someone to put up the cash. You make films, invariably people come up to you and say, I have a great idea for a movie. This is something that you should do. My response is always, fantastic. You got the money to make it? <laughs> so it's always about money. If you're a writer, you can mm -hmm. go up uh, to your garret, mm -hmm. sit at your writing desk, and produce a book. Whether you get it published or not, uh, another open question. Filmmaker? M movie director? No money? No nothing. Mm. That's the end of it. <laughs> now, when you started making documentary films, there weren't uh, certainly nowhere near as many as are being made today, though, right? I mean, is it easier now, or does it make it more difficult with more people getting involved? There's a line I love from Conan the Barbarian. They're on their way to see James Earl Jones, this long, winding road with people crucified along the way. And one guy looks at another and says, used to be just another snake cult. Now you see it everywhere. Now it's everywhere. Now you see it everywhere. <laughs> and that, of course, is true of documentary. When I first started making them, uh, the idea, the very idea that you would put a documentary film in theaters and expect people to pay money to see it, yeah. uh, a non-starter. It yeah. just didn't happen. Although, I have been putting my movies in theaters from the get-go. I was lucky, very, very, very lucky. Uh, my first film was championed by these two critics, uh, Roger Ebert and John, uh, Gene Siskel. Mm -hmm. uh, and without them, I would be a complete goner. I owe a lot of my success to them. Uh, it's a little bit of luck. Was this when they were at their kind of height of fame when the TV show was on? Where, the or, TV show had just come on. Just started. And for whatever reason, they glommed on to my first film, Gates of Heaven. They kept reviewing it again and again and again. Eventually, Roger Ebert put it on his list of the best ten films ever made. Right. Um, so, over the years... Uh, in my 30s, I couldn't really get anybody to give me money to make movies, so I worked as a private detective. That's how I earned a living. Just doing the same kind of things that you would do for film, but following people around for... For money. For money. <laughs> it all comes back to money. Yes. Um, and I had all of these ideas. My wife jokes that many of my ideas from that time... Mm that I couldn't get made, their entire channels 
cable channels devoted to that kind of thing. Lots of crazy tabloid ideas. I wanted to make a movie about the world's fattest man. I wanted to make a movie about a guy who was building his own interstate highway across northern Minnesota. I wanted to make a movie about a guy who traded his infant child for a Corvette. Uh, no takers nowadays yeah it's all over the place yeah now it's real almost reality programming right just follow them with a bunch of cameras for months at a time um but if you look back over this and by the way there are a lot of people who consider you one of our finest filmmakers but because you work in documentaries it's always away from the Marty Scorsese's of the world. You know, it's almost a separate category. But do you ever say to yourself, I just want to make a big uh, fiction movie? And Well, I am. You're, you're going to do it? I am. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ira Glass from This American Life had reported a story about the man uh, who was responsible for the first cryonics freezing. Cryonics is... Mm-hmm. Freezing people for future resuscitation. I freeze you, and I thaw you out. I bring you back to life. Um, Bob Nelson is the guy. He wrote a book. Now, here's your perfect tabloid headline. Uh, He wrote a book, We Froze the First Man, and indeed they did. And I'm making that movie, uh, there's a script by Zach Helm, who wrote Stranger Than Fiction, and it will be starring Paul Rudd. Well, it sounds terrific. Now, this is going to be a, a totally different experience for you, though, right? I mean, you don't know what your movie is going to be. There's no scripts, of course, to your documentary. You shoot for a long time before you decide this is the movie, or do you have it in the back of your mind, here's what I want to make, and I'll shoot it that way? One of the truly fascinating things about what I do in nonfiction, uh, what I do in documentary, is it really is investigative. I don't know where in hell I'm going. Uh, I expect uh, to be surprised. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what people are going to say to me tabloid is a perfect example of how could you even imagine some of the crazy things that I heard in the course of making this movie Um, a narrative scripted film of course is different you know what the beginning is and you know what the end is going to be but I still believe you have to find ways of creating spontaneity you have to make things come alive in front of the camera uh, everything can't be planned and plotted. Not every T can be crossed and every I dotted. The trick is really in making any kind of a movie, whether it's uh, fact or fiction, uh, how to make it believable, how to make it come alive, how to preserve some feeling of spontaneity. As I like to tell people, I'm a filmmaker, not a taxidermist. <laughs> And you don't tend to root for some of these people as you're going along or want the story to go in a certain way. You've got to keep, I guess, a certain distance when you're making some of these films. Well, I'm human. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I connect with the people that I make movies about. Uh, I would even go so far as to say, 
I am rooting for them quite often. I have to like the people that I'm making movies about on some level. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself as the Mike Wallace adversarial guy. Right. Uh, I'm going to find a way to trick you or trap you in some kind of uh, contradiction. Uh, not my style. Even when you made F- Fog of War, you still felt like this is a guy I want to... Especially mm-hmm. when I was making Fog of War, because here's a guy, a lot of people, and when I say a lot of people, I mean a lot of people, millions of people, hated Robert S. McNamara for the role that he played in the Vietnam War. Hate may be actually uh, an understatement. Yeah, and I'm like an entire generation hated him, an entire generation of Americans. Uh, that is uh, an accurate description. Uh, so what's my job? Am I there simply to rubber stamp those feelings? Am I there just to say, uh, Robert S. McNamara, we hate you? Mm-hmm. Or is my job to try to learn something about this man, to, to figure out who he is? Maybe not. Completely, I'm never going to figure out who he is completely, but to learn something more about him, his complexities, uh, uh, why he did what he did. Um, it makes a lot of people angry, by the way. Sure. Because they think my role, my role should be to stick it to him. My role should be to bring him up short. My role should be to point the finger at him. It's be- it's become a, uh, a way that people view, let's say, television journalism now, is just yelling at the person that you disagree with. But just finding out how they think, I think, is the most interesting thing. How they got to this point, what they put together to get to that point to come up with the way they live their life. Uh, The way I think of it is the biggest mystery is what's inside of our heads. Mm -hmm. Um, What makes people tick? What makes people do what they do? Um, What makes people crazy? Right. Um, Well, the new uh, film is called uh, Tabloid, and it is a crazy ride, and the fact that it's... Uh, it doesn't stop being crazy. That just even when the story's over, a new one pops up and she's back in the tabloids. It's just, it's incredible. I don't know whether this could be uh, a fictional film because it it would probably go a little too far if this was fiction. Well, one of the things that Joyce is angry about is mm. she th- wants this to be a Hollywood movie. She wants someone to play Joyce McKinney. Uh, I asked her at one point, well, do you have someone in mind? Um, is there an actress? Uh, your dream uh, uh, actress to play yourself in a Hollywood movie? And she said, Katherine Heigl. <laughs> yes. um, but I was at a screening last night uh, with Kirsten Dunst, and this was her second screening of Tabloid. She loves the movie. And she said, well... Wait a second, I'd like to play She'd her. She'd like to play her. I'd like to play her. Uh, and the other great thing, of course, is the Mormons become involved. And you've got tabloids you couldn't get any hotter than right now, and the Mormons are also 
all over the news. So you've managed to uh, get a lot of hot points all in one film. How did I do it? You pulled it off again. Thank uh, you. Uh, Earl Morris, the uh, film is tabloid. Uh, thanks so much for coming in, and thanks for making the films that you do. They're just incredible. Thank they're just, you. They're just fantastic. And thanks. let's get Joyce on this program. I, I want to have her on. I okay. definitely do. Thank you thanks. all very much. The Ron and Fez show, uh, the great film uh, director, Earl Morris, was uh, just with us. Uh, where is he even from? Do you know? Is he? I don't know why in the back of my head he seems like a Long Island guy, but I don't know where he's from. He's from uh, Ulet, New York, which is in Nassau County, Long Island. Wow, that's very strange. <laughs> he's definitely in New York. You hear New York in his voice. Yeah, you can. Uh, he's such a brilliant brilliant filmmaker and then to be like such a character <laughs> in real life i had no idea <laughs> of this stuff i love the shit about uh just having the basement filled with stuff half done movies yeah <laughs> uh because one of the things that is always interested in, interesting this happens with actors too when they start to prepare for roles and stuff mm -hmm. that you end up liking that process more than, than anything else you know what i mean yeah like sometimes i'll uh get in this with certain interviews i know got coming up i'll see all their films and you know read a bunch of stuff and then all of a sudden after you interview them pff, it's out the window you just <laughs> fucking fuck fish is the uh thing there it's just done to me but if you want to get into some of his films, the thing that he did with um, the short... What is it? The History of Time? Brief History of Time. Brief History of Time was incredible. And seeing that in the theater uh, as well. But before that, no one knew how Stephen Hawking talked. No one knew that, <laughs> that was whole the first robot. time he was on. Yeah. Holy shit. So, you know, you hear... You know, brief history of time, and if the guy has this disease and all, yeah. you go into the theater, and it's just close-ups of him in this robot voice talking. And I don't think that there was the technology for that all that long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, computers were still kind of fairly new then, and being able to tap this thing out, and they had to create Make their own sound. language. Yeah. So you're listening to this, you know, more or less the smartest person in the world, uh, but it takes time for it to come out. Crazy. Uh, I think one of Eastside Dave's favorite films of all time is Thin Blue Line. Yeah. Most people, if they have uh, a favorite documentaries list, his are all over. There's so many different ones. Um, but then the other part of him, he's such a character. It's he great. Kind of has a polo thing going on, like, of I'm going to be strange myself, you know, for my own reason. <laughs> uh, 
Fez, you said you were uh, interested in the obsession stuff. Yeah, when he was talking about tabloid and the woman in that, where obsession meets love, love meets obsession. And to me, I have had crushes that were total obsessions in my life. And I don't know if I can have love without obsession. Because I don't, if I could go, a, like, let's say I was into somebody and I could go a week and, you know, it's okay. I'd like to be around him, but it's okay. I'm fine with it. To me, I don't know if that would be love. Because I would feel like, yes, this is the person in my life and I want to... Be, smother them and ruin them. Smother and, yes, the, until I choke the life them. right out of them. Right. Yeah. Well, with me, it always, any of those crushes, it always started out fun, and it's like, here's a fun person, here's a person I really like, and then it always turned into a painful thing. For them or for you? For me. Where I couldn't feed the obsession. I couldn't be around the person enough. Well, you're... And uh, so, that that's not love. I don't know, because everybody has the early stages of obsession. What's always funny to me is like when your friend really falls head over heels oh, in yeah. love, and he's always trying to explain to you how great she is, and it's always that, you know... And I don't know whether I even told you this. She writes poetry. Oh. You know she's got me skating again? Really? I'm skating. <laughs> I feel like I'm... And you're like... What you hated Oh, that. she's great. Yeah, she's great. Because you know that that can't last. The guy isn't going to fucking roller boogie forever. It's all part of this. And some people will get mad when they see their friends acting like that. Yeah. But for me, it's just like taking a fucking hit off a crack pipe. It's like... When you take a hit off a crack pipe, you're not thinking about anything else. No, you're thinking, you want that you know, crack. And there's kind of a drug to the endorphin rush that you get when you uh, fall in love. But your thing, Fezzi, since... Now, your crushes, you never even told the person, right? No, never. Did they ever catch on and say... If they caught on, they yeah. didn't say anything about it. Right. So you never had the... Looking back, I don't know. I don't see how they couldn't have caught on. I don't know, because from what I remember of your crushes, you weren't catching on. Because I used to say to you, hey, you're in love with that person. No, that's just a really good friend of mine. Oh. And then we would laugh. Yeah. And go, uh-uh, you're in love. <laughs> But Fez swore uh, that he wasn't uh, in love. But then because yours doesn't lead to sex or even a relationship, an intimate relationship, you don't have the release. So when that happens, the obsession can carry out a lot longer before it falls into any kind of normalcy. Mm -hmm. Now... Chris Stanley, you've been with your girl how long? About five years. Now, I'm sure in the early stages, you were, oh, I can't wait to see her. Oh, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But then that falls into something where you can wait to see her, and it becomes something different. Some people hate that. Some people hate when it becomes a little like a more routine. comfortable. Yeah, and they think, I need to have a new obsession. So that's what makes me think that some people 
are only like kind of in love with love, like in love with that okay. early love. So then when, right. when that's done, pff, I don't need this yes. anymore. Yes, and then immediately they're like, because it does feel great to be in that obsession. Nothing thing. else matters. Yeah, you Nothing. don't care if you fucking made your car payment. You know what I mean? You're like, Nothing. hey, I really want to sit here and hear every boring fucking story that you have. And then when you're with someone for a couple years, you'll say to them, uh, honey, this is a fucking boring story. Why don't you shut up when you see I got a ball game on? You're never going to do that in the early parts. Um, here's, um, here's Charlie. Charlie, you're on, on Ron Fez show. Ronnie, I'd really like to hear more about Fez's obsession. We've all been obsessed. I think this could be a very good topic for him. For me personally, I was married eight years. All I wanted was a normal Thanksgiving with my family. For one reason or another, I never had it. When we broke up, and it was the first Thanksgiving that she had with the new guy and my kids, that Monday after Thanksgiving, I dropped the kids off at school and didn't come, didn't come back for 48 hours. I literally lost my mind. And I've lost custody, and my whole life changed from that point on. So I know all about being obsessed over things. And I think, aside from gay rights and Yahoo News, I mean, Fez could really talk about this obsession. And all right, still well, we'll, we'll let him do that then. And see, here's the thing with you, Fez, is you get obsessed with different things at different times, not just people. Like oh, sure. sometimes, like your thing with the Rupert Murdoch, you know, I can see this is a big news story, so you like to, you know, kind of get excited that this thing is unfolding, you know. Um, but with people, and I know you don't like to give details, the last person that you were obsessed with is the one that kind of drove you into this bad depression. Right, into the, into the depression and the funk and I think the anxiety, I think all of it. All of it went because that obsession did not turn into love. Right, yeah. And it was also a thing where when I had the crush and I had the obsession, and then for whatever reason, we part company, go separate ways, I have the giant breakup going on inside of me, but, uh, like you said, still denying, but just really... Taking it hard. I mean, really, really crying hard. When um, we got to D.C. is when Fez, uh, after we left New York, yeah. we went down to D.C. for how long? Two years? Mm-hmm. And during that time we got there, Fez says to me, I'm not going to make a single friend. Oh. I am done with friendship. Blah, no. blah. So when he first says it, I'm like, well, you know, it's a choice. You know, and I hate it, and mm -hmm. this and that. Yeah. I want to get back to New York. I want to get back Got to get out know. of DC. Uh, and he made sure that he poisoned every fucking day of his life, <laughs> oh. and every experience that he had, he made sure. And I'm not even making this up; was a bad one. Oh, every thanks. place, everything. Why, why everything hurt yourself to so do. Much? You really were out to psychically hurt yourself and that's where the locking up on the air started mm -hmm. the implosion that was the, the crying, yeah which goes to show you we could all do that to ourselves mm -hmm. like you could say to yourself i'm going to find the worst in everything that i can <laughs> and i'm going to judge myself and i'm going to be mean 
to others and myself. And you're able to kind of uh, ruin uh, everything, um, which is like the problem with obsession. Like love, like true love means you care about that person. Obsession means you care about yourself. Right. So when you have true love, what your real purpose is, is I want that person to be happy, no matter what it is. And when it's obsession, it's I want that person to do what I want and to make me feel good. So it sounds like there's no healthy dose of obsession. Of course there is. Of course there is. I even brought it up. To Earl Morris, you have to be obsessed with your work to some extent. We have healthy obs- uh, obsessions. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Michael Jordan had a healthy obsession. He turned it into, you know, a career. Um, but your thing was never about the other person. It was always about you. And then you didn't even want to bring it up because you thought, if you told the other person how you felt, the other person wouldn't want to be with you. Right, would reject me on every level. So you were living a lie to that other person. This other person that you say you loved, you lied to on a daily, even moment by moment. So it never got into the healthy thing. Okay. So the healthy thing would be like, I don't know how you feel, and I don't want you you know, to feel like you have to do anything but here's how i feel this is what i feel that would probably be healthier and the fact that you felt this for a person who couldn't or wouldn't react to you right Mm -hmm. is probably why it's away from why it's unhealthy it was easier to do to have those feelings for something that couldn't pay off which i think what your shrink is trying to get you now is to feel that way about somebody who could return that. That's a whole new fear for you. That's oh, the, yeah. And it doesn't even seem to be something that you want. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely a fear of... I think it, it must be a fear of responsibility, maybe, if I could describe it, where, like you said, love is about the other person, mm-hmm. and I'm so narcissistic... It, with my feelings of how do I feel at the moment that maybe it's re- being yeah, responsible for someone it, else's feeling. This is the kind of stuff that you and your shrink. Yeah, that's you. That's fucking pretend talk. When you start uh, to even use that, that's like I want to make my shrink think that I'm learning things. It, your obsession stuff had nothing really to do with the intellectual side of it. No, because even when I was going through like heartbreak and stuff. It still felt to me like it was still a dishonest thing. Because I was like, wow, I really take these friendships to heart. This, uh, this really, you know, this was really got, but was still not admitting why I was feeling so bad. Yeah, it's almost retarded. It's almost like the way a I agree. retarded person would probably think. Yeah. Or like when a retarded person gets lost in the mall and they think they need to start biting their wrist and. Stamping their feet, which is kind of what you did in D.C. You started to hurt yourself, and you acted like the people were awful, and the town was awful, and everything. And I had a ball. I just, you know, here we are. We're not going to be here forever. You know, 
Where's the cool places to eat? Where's the cool places to hang out? Where are the museums? With it, maybe. What's all the sporting stuff going on? I mean, there was not, there was nothing to actually hate about all the stuff that you were hating. Now I can understand you wanted to be in New in New York, but even when you got back to New York, that was like another fucking hammer to the head because everything didn't go back to exactly the way it was. Mm-hmm. Even though you almost got the same apartment, you were in the same building. Actually, tried to get something closer to what my apartment was, facing the same thing. You know, like I'm just gonna upgrade oh, in man. that direction, but recreate all, the whole thing. Yeah, when really? that didn't happen again, uh, that created the crushing thing. Oh boy, didn't know it was that down to the specifics of yeah, everything it's, exactly. It's very fucking specific. Alike. So when people always, you know, Terminal call area. in and say, yeah, this is what Fez should do or will do, he's not, you know, that's... Yeah, it's not going to happen. Well, you can see that most of his stuff is about fantasy. It's not about uh, reality. Even his, the great love that he had was fantasy love. It's just in his head, I guess. Oh yeah, it was never. There was never any basis in reality. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. given any sort of clue or hint or action that it could be a reality. Yeah, it was all in my crazy head. So how you turn uh, tie that in with Earl Morris? Well, just uh, talking about the the woman in tabloid. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Oh. No, I'm just she's, going totally by your conversation. She's so nuts that she's like what I would call half Fez crazy. Oh my. Like, she's halfway to being Fez crazy. <laughs> That's not good. You should only be followed by cameras. Well, hopefully I won't get to the uh, kidnapping stage. No, you're way too lazy for that. You'll just <laughs> kidnap in your mind. You'll never make any big action. That'll never happen. You mean a big, like, Any frightening kind. action? No, or even a whatever action. You'll never take action of any kind. Well, I'd like to. But no, I, I don't have any sort of action track record where I could... Where I could say, no, Ron, you're wrong. I, I will take action. Mm-hmm. Um, here's uh, Chad, you're on Fez. Uh, Fez, you couldn't be friends with Mike Amara? Really? I mean, he's one of the most likable guys, and you work directly with him. I, I was mean, obsessed Buzz Burbank, with him. Buzz Burbank loved you. All those guys were nothing but kind. Everybody at the station was kind. Everybody particularly liked Fezzy, and he was he just went into his own... Kind of a shell, and you're you're right about that. Those are all really, you know, fun, good people. All couldn't be happier to see him. Uh, Julie Fullman, who was an old friend of ours from Florida, was there. Loves Fez. Fez was. You were just shut off to all that. Just shut off to everything. I will not be friends. And then finally, I forced you into the Kathleen and Bri Bri uh, friendship, which you eventually. I think got a lot out of. Oh, yeah. But there were even more people if you would have been open to it. 
Right, yeah, but I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't, you know, put me on that path. Right. Yeah, I, w- I would, uh, that would have been something that it's like, oh yeah, enjoyable, but I'm going home. Right. What did I, I did the thing, like, you have to go out on Fridays after It was the show. basically like, Fez is going out with the listeners on right. Friday night. So it was not, <laughs> yeah, it was not even like, what? Uh, and then, and then he was like, are you coming? No. It was almost like that kid whose mom walks him down to the corner yeah. and says, oh, this yeah. is Jerry, and he wants to play. Oh, boy. And he's like, no, Mom. <laughs> I want to be in the house. And then I was just, and then I was in. But you did. You did eventually get around to Friday night. Fez will go out with the listeners. If you'd like to meet Fez, he's going to, what was the same bar? Thursdays. Yeah, you went to Thursdays on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he wasn't going to do something different every week. Yeah. He needs to have the comfort of a place. Um, Anthony, you're on Fez. Yeah, hey, Fez, if uh, the person that you're having so much fun with in New York was able to go to Washington with you and stay down there, do you think uh, things would have been the same, or you know, while you were down there, you could have found something out that you didn't like, and and you're back to square one? Well, I will only say this: I know that going there, he would have been thrilled because that would have also cut that person off from all of their friends who oh, Fez actually jealous. hated. Jealous. So Fez always used to say, "Don't you hate this person?" I'd be like. Who? Oh, man. And I'm like, oh, wait, that guy that was in here for two minutes? You know what I mean? <laughs> that guy that swung by to yeah, just just fucking, stop in for yeah. a second? Yeah, he's a real dick, Ron. And I'm like, what did he do? There wasn't anything. I mean, I'm sure he was a dick, but there was nothing there that no one uh, found out about. The jealousy thing was the absolute worst. It was, it just, it, it was the same thing as the obsession. Um, Jeff, West Virginia, you're on a fist. Hey, Ronnie. A cousin of mine fell in love with a school teacher years ago, and she never moved down away from that, never moved away from that time frame. She, she lives with her mother, no relationships. Eventually, over the years, everybody kind of just gave up on trying to fix her, and I'm just wondering, are you the last guy holding on to hope for Fezzy. I, I love you, but I think you're you're holding on to hope that's not there, brother. Well, there is. I mean, obviously, this thing with me and Fez Eden's bad. There's no good ending that could possibly happen here. It ends bad. Either with, uh, you know, an on-air breakup or a claw hammer to the fucking head. Where I'll, and I'll, be, I'll have enough tapes to prove temporary insanity. I'll have enough tapes to prove that I I was pushed to a, a point. Um, yeah, could be Knife Club. Or probably I'll just say, I'll come in one day and go, Fez has decided to go back, and, or Fez has decided to take a trip to Europe. And when I say that, know that he's on the bottom of the East River with fucking cinder blocks. Should I be dumping out Fucking wrapped around him. Uh... Why? I want it out there. <laughs> Because I'm taunting the police right now. I'm taunting them with my genius, my criminal genius. Um, Ken, you're on Fez. Hey, Fezzy, did this person ever treat you to a nice roofie and a mouth fuck? 
Um, that would be never. Great. That would be great. Absolutely never. Fez still sees this person occasionally, and this person has no idea if Fez is alive. Oh, no. Does that hurt? Um, I tr- it's, uh, I try, there's times where it pops up, and it still hurts. It's not the constant hurt that it was. But there are times when, yeah, it, it'll still get to me. Mm. I try to keep those very rare. But how about the fact that... Like, a- I, like I don't pursue ev- even the friendship anymore. Well, that's because you were rejected on the friendship, right? Uh, right, but even... Yeah, I don't even keep it on any sort of casual friends basis. You're acting like that's your choice. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, you know, it's not like, hey, do you want to grab dinner sometime? Right, because they don't want to. That's my point to you. Oh, okay. That after your station in life no longer suited them. Boom. Wow. On to the next. Wow. You know, I'll say it is. Like, think of, like, Mark Zito. You know how he acts like he likes people, but only is because, like, that'll move him up the line? Oh, okay. Well, imagine if you thought that Zito's personality was real, and you were like, yeah, Mark Zito does like me. And that's what's what happened. Like, he us. does want to get my jacket from the dry cleaner. Where, but every time if... If Zito's grabbing a jacket at the dry cleaner, he's like, this could lead to something big. Something big for me. All right. That's how this person was. Now, that's not a bad way to be if you know who the person is for who they are. Yeah, but Fez didn't. No, of course he didn't. Oh. That's rough. Um, Tom, you're on Fez. Yeah, this friend that Fez is obsessing over, that fucking fat, fodgy, bear-looking motherfucker, Bruce Valanche. No, it's not Bruce Valanche. Although, I know somebody working on a project with Bruce Valanche right now. Really? Oh, who is it? Hosp. They <laughs> are, figures. I think, doing some kind of TV pilot. Oh, wow, good for Hosp. That t-shirt talk really did him some well. Well, that's Fez's uh, obsession talk. Not been obsessed since, still waiting, Yeah, there hoping ha- to have some healthy thing in your life. Right, yeah, there hasn't been another one of those crushes since that one. Mm. Where it's first thought in the morning, last thought at night, and the dreams in between. Jesus. I, does that weird you out? That's heavy. Yeah. Some heavy shit right there. Well, I will say this: for the beginning stages of his uh, obsession, it was actually very enjoyable because he was show off. Let me be funny, Fez, and he was oh, like, "Oh wow, that's slaying. great!" He was like slam for a while, and then it went into, um, "I haven't heard from this person. Do you think they're dead? <laughs> I'm having a panic it's attack." Completely different direction. Oh, oh man. they're here. Well, like you know, how I was like a little late for work today. Yeah. Well, when that used to happen, um, Fez thought the person uh, 
had been exploded in a terrorist attack or whatever. <sighs> oh, like, he no. used to go nuts. Holy he shit. He used to go nuts. And because... I would worry and pace. Uh, myself, being the kind of guy I was, I was on the floor fucking laughing. I mean, I just can't, couldn't believe that, you know what I mean? Like, maybe I didn't take it as, as serious because he wasn't Nutty Fez then. Yeah. It was only the beginning stages yeah, yeah, yeah. of Nut. So imagine, like, if you have a friend that you think is a regular guy and then you just see him doing just something crazy so bizarre. fucking <laughs> you're behavior. Just fucking laughing and you're saying, do you, I'm almost like, Dude, you see what you're doing? <laughs> what are you doing? This is, you know, retarded. <laughs> You've turned into single white female. And it was like... This is great. So funny to me. And there was like, um, no talking. You ever notice that when um, Fez is like really deep into this thing, he acts like he doesn't hear you? Like something, like you know how like some things will just crush him and set him down. Yeah. But there's other weird things. Well, he'll just put on that southern bell face and just keep going. Yeah. And acted like the conversation isn't taking place. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. <sighs> Why didn't you just go in the house for a long time? Why did you just go in for a week? Why didn't you just really try to get fixed? Um, there was stuff I wasn't ready to work on at that point yet what time we got Susie coming in one uh, I was in this conversation last night Kerber Seinfeld it's not as easy as you think to come up with that curb your enthusiasm or Seinfeld if you only had one Peppy Hamburger I gotta go Seinfeld over Curb over Curb and I love Curb I don't know if you do. I do love Curb, but what is your my reason? allegiance is to Seinfeld. What is a better acted show? Oh, Curb, Curb Your Enthusiasm is better, better acted, I'd say. But, I mean, Seinfeld, it's, I'm just, I here's, guess here's, Seinfeld came first, and I've just seen it I so know many it, times. I know I'm it from came, New York. I know it came first. Well, that's why I'm excited about this season of Curb. I can't it wait. It takes place in New York. Yeah, why not? See, the thing is, is like, Seinfeld is still kind of sitcom -y. Oh, yeah, it definitely is, without you know I mean? a doubt. It still is closer to Laverne and Shirley <laughs> yeah. than it is to, like, a Woody Allen, Albert Brooks, Christopher Guest. Oh, yeah. Where I think Curb is definitely a more mature show. It's the, I would say it's a better, it's a 100% better concept, I mean, in the way it's done, as opposed to just the comedian and his friends living in, you know, in his apartment in New York City. And the comedian that never works. <laughs> Hey, sometimes you see him coming out of the club. Yeah, but when you're a comedian, you're on the road for three weeks. <laughs> it would be like, uh, by the time he got back, they'd be like, oh, you didn't hear? <laughs> Elaine got married. Or, oh, you didn't hear? George left New York. You're gone for a long time when you're a stand-up. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Curbed or Seinfeld? fez -a doodle I am going to agree with Chris Stanley and oh, say Seinfeld. Wow. Why don't you two just spit right in the face of Susie Espin when no, she comes in? I don't want to do that. Why didn't you spit in Jeff Garland's face? This is what you're doing. This is exactly what you're doing with the way you are. Wait, I didn't give you guys the other thing. You probably all picked marriage ref over them all. <laughs> Here's Jeff in Colorado. You're on a fez. Hey, uh, Ron, I just, I love the, the writing of Seinfeld. I love the uh, improv of Curb, but that the 
writing of Seinfeld, the, the episode where he's he's talking about stuff and then he's craving the food that he's talking about, just stuff like that. Some of that writing was. All right. See, I'm gonna agree here that even though I think I like Curb a lot better, yeah, I don't know whether I. And maybe because the Seinfelds have been beaten to me, that I think I know these <laughs> single way. episodes more uh, of Seinfeld. Oh, I, that, without a doubt, yeah. It's fucking, I'm like brainwashed on this shit. But Curb is not quite, you know, Seinfeld would be a little pussier, where Curb oh, yeah. just goes straight for the juggler. Yeah, Dave, Larry Dave, his, he just fucking destroys. Susie, the shit that she does on that show? It's amazing. She'd never get on network TV. <laughs> Jason, you're on my first. Yeah, I think Curb is a lot more cringing. I've actually got got up out of the seat and walked out of the room during the seat. But Larry David just the tampoony fucking thing oh, for Monday night. God damn! It was too yeah. much to possibly yeah. well, he bear. Was outside that door. Too what much to fuck? bear. <laughs> Renzo. Yeah, I'm going Curb. Uh, the reason being is I don't know. I just I think it applies to me more with uh, him kind of being the lone wolf and getting into stupid situations, you know, instead of uh, Kramer going into the room, I just think it's funnier, fucking, uh, the situations he gets Yeah, in. I mean, there isn't also that cookie-cutterness like you get with... There's not a lot you can do. You're stuck in a, a couple of different sets mm -hmm. when you're doing uh, situation comedy. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. As a matter of fact, the situation comedy is so hard to do. I don't know how anyone pulls it off for... One season, let alone five, six, seven, eight, like some people are able to do. Because you're just like, geez, go somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Why are these guys getting married at Arnold's? It's stupid. Uh, Smoke, Kerber Seinfeld. Was in the budget. Oh, Seinfeld, definitely. Uh, the, the catchphrases are definitely better. See? Oh, See, that's a really good point. <laughs> catchphrases. Think of real life. Are there catchphrases? Hoochie Mama, I yell it all the time. <laughs> 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. You have to admit, Curb is a more mature work. Now, last year, when Seinfeld and the crew came back, the Seinfeld guys yeah. were on the show. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they held up as well as the Curb people. I'm going to say they didn't. I'm going to say the Curb people were a lot more comfortable. Here's where I really started to get into the Seinfeld people when they got back to the table read. Yeah, when they After were that whole doing season, the fucking went, show. Holy shit, these guys are great. There's fucking George. But There's fucking Kramer. Yeah. But then, you know, when they're just talking to each other. In a By the way, I saw Elaine in a restaurant one night. She is unbelievably attractive. She's wonderful. Uh, Sean, Kerber so Seinfeld. I have to go with Seinfeld because you got to think of the way Seinfeld was done and makes it so you identify it to a lot. I've never had to take a note from my doctor girlfriend to a pharmacist to have it decoded, but every time I go somewhere and someone orders pastrami, all I can think is, ah, the most sensual of the cured meats. Uh, here's Chris. You're on the run, Fez. I got to say Seinfeld, but without without uh, Seinfeld, you don't have curb. But with Seinfeld, you kind of got the idea that this is these are things that actually happened to Larry, that, that he was going back in his, his past, and you were kind of reliving some of those funny events that happened. There's no doubt about it. I mean, after watching Curb, you really do look at Seinfeld and hear Larry David's voice. Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah. It is shocking. Um, John, you're on the Run Fest show. Yeah, I got to go with Curb. Um, I got kind of burned out on Seinfeld halfway through the whole series anyway. But I don't think there's a I worse actor than Jerry Seinfeld. 
Well, even Jerry's not crazy about watching ex old uh, Seinfelds, and I can't blame him for that. I mean, I don't know how anyone can sit around and watch themselves pretend that these are their friends and that that's their kitchen. <laughs> the clothes alone. Time. The clothes alone just look crazy from the earlier episodes. No, you know what? The phone would probably bother me yeah, more okay. than the clothes. <laughs> um, Tom, go ahead, buddy. Morning, guys. I'd, I'd have to go with Curb. To me, it's it's uh, it's terrestrial radio to satellite radio. Uh, it's a very it's good health. point. It's a very very good point. It's an XL channel. Yeah. Uh, here's uh, Melanie. You're in Rona Fez. Uh, hello. Yeah. I I'd say Seinfeld. I watch it over and over again. I laugh every time. Yeah, First, that's I the thing. And, you know. That's the thing about Seinfeld is because it comes on at seven o'clock at night. I'm telling you, I don't know why they don't just release shows at 7 o'clock at night. It's where I'm going to watch my most TV. That'd be crazy. That would blow my mind. Programmers would not know what to do with themselves. They'd be like, well, wait a minute, this isn't prime time, this is before prime time. Dude, if you lived in Chicago, that's when you would get it. Oh, shit. I if I lived in Chicago, I'd be like, I like 6 o'clock TV. <laughs> I never saw a... Uh, a fucking Everyone Loves Raymond or a King of Queens until I think they they came on at 7 o'clock at night. Yeah, hit up that sweet spot. Then I'm like, what's this new show? People are like, it's been out for 10 years. <laughs> oh, it's fucking funny. Who's that, Patton Oswald? John, you're in Fez. Gotta go with Curb. I, uh, I, I really like Seinfeld. I find it funny, but I can't identify with a guy living in Manhattan. I can identify, though, with the really awkward conversations and situations that Larry David gets in in Curb. So it's just the Manhattan set that confuses you since they're both shot. Yeah, it throws me off because I don't know a life where I've got nothing to do but go to a diner, go to a coffee house, and just talk about stuff. But when you get into those situations, I can completely side on Larry David the entire way. Well, the thing is, Larry David, he walks in L.A. more than any other human being. <laughs> you don't run into people on the street. And he's no. still kind of writing with a New York point of view, even in L.A., uh, Curb picking up some steam here. Craig, your your turn. Hey, buddies. I got to go with Seinfeld just because it's more like when I watch the episodes now, they're nostalgic. I kind of grew up with that. I mean, I love Curb, but when I watch like Seinfeld, it just kind of brings me back to 92 and 93. And you start thinking about your first Counting Crows album. That's the thing. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. And you're like, oh, man, the Rembrandts opened them for them. And, oh shit, I'm trying to think of that fucking Superman band. Now I can't think of it. I'm really fucking pissed at myself. Uh, Nate, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yo, you gotta go with Seinfeld because of Frank Costanza. How could you trade Jay Bruder? Frank Costanza, you could also see on King of Queens. Play yeah. the same exact part. Yeah, same person. Crazy old father. Yeah, he is. Crazy old dad. Craig, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I got Kirby enthusiasm. Uh... I can watch Seinfeld sitting down, but I, I gotta stand up sometimes for Larry David. He just makes me so uncomfortable. Like you gotta pay attention, like all the little subtleties, and it's just like spine twisting for me. It really is spine twisting. I know the other night was, and then I told you guys even last year. I think it was last year. I got mad at him for pissing on the picture of Jesus. Yeah. Like where does that fucking come from? Then I had to. I had a great time of going. Hey, wait a minute. What am I offended by comedy? Uh, this hasn't happened to me in a long, long Weird. time. Weird. Um, Blake, you're on Ronnie Fez. Hey, Ronnie. 
I love Curb, very funny, very direct, but I gotta go with Seinfeld, especially for the writing. It's just, it's far more clever, plus uh, I do like the hidden gems of like Larry David and Larry Charles playing very small roles in certain episodes. Again, I don't know whether that has a lot to do with the show. No, it's just a, some now, for yourself. I, I mean, mean, this is how many times that you've done it. Yeah. That you're like, that voiceover? Go back and listen to that. He's that bodega worker. He just handed us some change. <laughs> Look at it. It's Larry, everybody. Hey, Pat. You're on a Fez. Pat. Hey. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, uh, I, I love Seinfeld, but anytime you can string in three or four episodes and the whole theme to be about a pubic hair stuck in a throat. I mean, that's that's genius. He's definitely genius. Both shows show that. Tom, you're on the run of show. Hey, I'm going to say Curb because that's why I'm at, in my life where years ago I would have said Seinfeld, nothing beats Seinfeld, but now it's Curb. You know, I think it's just the natural evolution of what the Seinfeld type of comedy goes into. I like where he's coming with that. I and I will that. tell you this, I remember... When Seinfeld came on in the 90s, when it was over, me and my friend Ross Reback phoned each other to talk about the episode. Oh. Just fucking cracking up like a couple of fucking schoolgirls. <laughs> and then, I swear to God, we used to have this bit that we called Dear Larry David, where we would act like we were sending him a letter, and then we would come up with the things. And... Um, I would always be like this. Dear Larry David, as you know from my last letter, it looks like I am pretty well managing Sonic the Hedgehog. And it would always be these like really bizarre things. And then we would be cracking up. And both our chicks would be going like, dude, this is like fucking, seriously, it's like jack-off talk. <laughs> That's all right. That's fine. Come on. And then Fez came in between us. Oh, we stopped being friends. God damn it. And I almost threw him off a fucking... Uh, building for being mean to Fez. Why do you have to ruin everything for me, Fez? Why do you have to ruin every friendship? Where are you going? It's awkward. Uh, you can't do two things at once? <laughs> Jason, you're on my Fez. Yeah, I have to go with Kerman because of Meet the Blacks. Uh, they added a whole bunch to the show. Oh, God, Leon's one of the funniest people alive. He really is. And on that episode, Larry was losing his shit while he was talking. He couldn't hold it together. If you just just how crazy <laughs> Leon is. It's just how fucking shit he's talking. You fucked it up for both of us, Larry. <laughs> Why is he still there? I don't know. He should not be part of this. It's great. Yes, he should. I they love got it. rid of all the kids, though. Yeah, no, gone. He no gone. longer loves his family. <laughs> so good. I'm trying to fucking figure it out. Saying I'm playing pool with Jeff Garland. Uh, here's one reason to uh, love Curb even more. Susie Espen's coming in. HBO.com. If you want to check it out, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Sunday nights at 10 on HBO. Let's bring in Susie Espen. Shortened 
sassy hair of Susie Essman just comes into the studio. You know what this is, Ron? This is yeah. called menopause hair, where the back of my neck got so hot that I just chopped it all off. It's just a lot of heat on the back of your neck. I know. Well, this today must be helping you with this Oh, it's weather, a delight right? out, isn't yeah. it? They said to me, do you know Ron and Fez? Of course I know. They're like mishpuka. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they just want everything to go perfectly. Now, I... First of all, this is the first time ever I think I got a bone to pick with you. What? Uh, marriage Ref, where you were scaring Regis Philbin almost <laughs> to death. I didn't watch it. Where oh, my it? God. The look on his face. Anytime you, you were talking, and then he would sheepishly change his opinion. I can't believe you yours. watched that show. Yeah, it's really... I was one of the few. Yeah, you know what? I do vaguely... Uh, I love Regis, by yeah. the way. I love Regis. I do vaguely... I shot that like eight months ago, and all of a sudden, I'm getting texts. You're on the marriage after. I didn't even know it was on, um, and I was out. Uh, I vaguely remember Regis being slightly afraid of me. Yeah, he was... But I wasn't being Susie Green. I was being me. Right. But I'm very opinionated about these relationship things. Some of those relationships were ridiculous. See, the women with all the ponytail... The husband who tells his wife she looks like crap... Well, do you believe that any that they're just doing that to get on TV? Yes, do I think, do. Yeah. I do, but I played along. You went along with it, and it became theater. <laughs> it became a theater for us. Well, the one person who believed was Regis because he was afraid of you. <laughs> but, but wait, do you think that any, is there any reality TV that is reality? No, there can't be. No. The best reality TV I saw all year was Egypt. Oh yeah, that was incredible. That was reality Where TV. People were just taken to the streets, like taken it was to the streets, and yeah. all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, because I can never sleep, I'm watching, and you see gunfire and tanks, and that was reality TV. The rest of this crap, I don't watch any of it. You're off uh, now. Do you watch any television? Yeah, I watch uh, not like real television. Mm -hmm. I watch, you know, like American Pickers and crap like that. <laughs> <laughs> See, what's funny is that your career's got to the point where you're doing a show on NBC and you don't even watch it yourself. Remember? I didn't even know it was on. Oh, you know what I watch that I love? I love The Good Wife. Oh, I, I love even The know Good Wife and I love Mad Men. And I like and Curb. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh we were just going back and forth on Curb or Seinfeld, and isn't amazing for Larry David that the debate could even take place. Yeah. That you could do something as gigantic and bigger than life than Seinfeld, and then sit down and have people debate whether or not the next project it's is pretty incredible. Better. Yeah. Well, and and that's because, and I say this, and I'm not ass kissing because I have the job. Mm -hmm. Larry's a genius. You know, Larry has genius brain, right. and to me, a genius is where whatever they're doing is transcendent. You can't even really figure it out. It mm -hmm. just It's not like what anybody else thinks, but you might think it is once you see it out there. And, uh, you know, I read those outlines, and I have no idea how we got there. It's just, it's, it's another way of thinking. Well, it also seems interesting. I don't know whether you ever see him on a talk show, but he's just very comfortable now in his own skin. Yeah. Because he's made uncomfortability comfortable right so no matter where he goes and what he does it's okay yeah yeah and it's also i i think that you know uh success and uh, it's more than success you know somebody asked me how has larry changed because you know i know larry from 1985 right when i we used to stand at the bar catch a rising star larry joy behar and i would stand all we would hear was larry's bemoaning all his love life issues you know i mean all the george costanza right. stuff that was all real um, but somebody asked me the other day how Larry's changed because he's rich and famous. And 
I don't think he's changed because of fame and money. I think he's changed in the way that we've all changed is you have kids, you have right. a marriage, you get older, you're closer to death, you're clo- you know, all that. And kids especially, I think, are the thing that, that really changed him. Kids made him a better person? Yeah, or? I, think it, I think when you have kids, all of a sudden you're not the center of the universe in a way. Yeah. Well, it is. That's the thing that they don't tell you about getting older is that you know that everything that you used to care about is bullshit. Yeah. It just doesn't matter but to you. But that's the great thing about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, you just don't. I could care less what anybody thinks of me anymore. And I see my teenage daughters and their total self-consciousness right. and their self-absorption and they're up their own asshole all the time. Right. It's just horrifying. Oh, it's awful to be a yeah. teenager, isn't it? Yeah. Where just every little thing matters, everything you care. Why don't they uh, teach a class in school? This is just bullshit. Everything is bullshit. Because you, you, it doesn't matter. I tell my kids that all the time. I tell yeah. them, you know, like my youngest just graduated high school and each and every one of them i would just say to him just get through it just get through it you'll see it's all going to be different but it doesn't matter what you tell them because they're they're hormonally and neurologically damaged right. their, their cerebral frontal cortex is not fully formed till they're 25 26 so they're like mentally ill in a certain way so you really shouldn't even have a conversation with no. these people till they're about you just, 26 hopefully you get through it that nothing horrible happens see what the jews understand very well is summer camp where just <laughs> that's true send them somewhere <laughs> and you know what my kids i mean they're my stepkids yeah. i and and they're all guyish they're not yeah. jewish they all went to camp. Once I once I got involved, I was. What do you mean they're home all summer? What are you crazy? I shipped them all off to camp. Yes, yeah, we didn't have that. We just laid on our couches, and my dad would get home and just be disgusted with us. Yeah, because you were a mess and you didn't clean yeah. the dishes and yeah. And now we know it's because we were mentally ill. It right. wasn't really our fault. It wasn't really your fault. The, and as a parent, you have to remember that it's right. hard. It's hard. Right. Well, my producer here almost killed himself because he missed a party when you were how old? Uh, 16. 16. He didn't get to go to a party, and he almost jumped in front of a, a train. And it's that yeah. important. Yeah, it was that important. The urgency yeah. is, and I see it with my kids, and I see little by little, they're growing out of it. And, right. and I'm enjoying the more adult relationships that I'm having with them. You know, but little by little, but it's, it's really, it's just kind of fascinating to watch. And when you're in the middle of it, it's like you, you, you just want to kill yourself. It's just unbearable to watch. And the pain that they feel. Oh, it's awful and the pain. angst. And, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, you talk about the suicide. You, there, there have been in our community a couple of kids who have actually committed suicide. One, that the girlfriend broke up with him. The kid killed himself. Oh, he yeah. himself. Or some of these Asian kids, if they get a B. They, you're right. They'll kill themselves. <laughs> and you're like, you don't, no one cares. You're you know what right, it is? Dude. Here's my new theory about what's wrong with all these kids. Mm-hmm. I could say whatever I want on this show, right? Anything. Okay. Else. It's the fucking bike helmets. It's the <laughs> fucking bike helmets, Ron. Yeah. They're so protected and so coddled. And now you read all this crap about how, you know, the, all these high school athletes and professionals, they're all getting concussions. And that's because they didn't get enough concussions when they were ah. kids. You know how many concussions I had when I was a kid? I became inured to it. That's safe. Now, we know that about germs, that you shouldn't protect that's so right. much with germs. But you're actually even saying with now, head now, trauma. Now, I don't want to get like notes that I I understand there's a real thing. Head. I'm talking about the bike helmets as a metaphor, right. as the coddling and the protection. I didn't have a fucking bike helmet. No, no one did. I, we didn't even have seatbelts. We flailed around in the back seat. We drank tap water. We did mm-hmm. all of that crap. 
My and dad, look at actually, us. My dad, yeah, my dad actually cut the seatbelts out where he thought that they were annoying because they made the noise. The fir- Before right. it was a law, they first made noise, and he went in and cut them out, and he goes, because I don't want to hear that noise all the time. Right, I don't blame him. Yeah. We and didn't have we didn't have car kid no, car no, seats. No, 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 had car seats. Not we didn't have any of that, and not and I understand the safety factor. And yes, if you save one life, but yeah. but this 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 bike helmet coddling. I mean, if I wore a bike helmet in my neighborhood when I was a kid, I would have been laughed off the fucking block. Right. They would. The other kids will hit you with sticks. That's right. They will look for. <laughs> see, that's the other thing about kids is that they learn some kind of pack mentality and almost prejudice. Even when they don't have different races in their neighborhood. Well, that's the bullying issue. Right. I think that's a tribal thing in our DNA. Right. We want to be. Yeah. yeah. Because if you don't have, let's say, a minority, if you don't have a black in your neighborhood, you're like, well, we hate the kids with glasses. Right. You or, demonize. Yes, you demonize. whatever you can do. Well, I think that's in our DNA. I think yeah. that's part of our survival in our DNA, that you demonize and make the other so that you pre- protect your own family and your own tribe. I, that's the only thing I could think of, because I see it all. The, look at, like, the tutu and the hootsie, the tootsies, right. whatever. You know, or, or you know what's a good example? Look at Northern Ireland. Right. Protestant, Catholic, they all look like Irish people to me. Same they all face. look alike, same yeah. face and the same bad food, and they all believe in Jesus Christ. It's not like, you know, right? and yet two denominations, because there's such a need to demonize. Well, it also feels good that when everyone is picking on the one kid, you're now safe, because That's look, right. hey... You know, we can all get the bullies after this kid. It's a bonding. And you're now establishing yourself as just, it's like being on Survivor. If someone's getting voted out, you're safe. That's right. You know what? When, a very good friend of mine, uh, we went to the same high, uh, the same college, and we weren't friends. We knew who each other was. We weren't right. friends. And then we met after college, and we became best, best friends. And I remember the day we bonded, and we bonded. We were sitting there talking. We hated the same people. Sure. And that was how we bonded and knew that we would like each other because we all hate, we both hated the same people. <laughs> and I think that we even do that with famous people, too. Like, we kind of hate famous people. Yeah. Now you- well, that's shading for it. Okay. You know, you, you want to, like any, like look, Derek Jeter, how much more fabulous can his life be? And I was just doing Mad Dog Radio right. with Bruce Murray, and now they're all on Derek Jeter because he said he doesn't want to go to the All-Star game because he's exhausted. So everybody's like, how can he say that? And that's, that's because, how, how much better can this man's life be? You yeah. know, so we want to find something wrong with him to hate. But what did we give him? Three days before we turned on him? Like, uh, Sunday? Right, exactly. He's the greatest. He's we, we love him. And now today, bullshit. You should have went and did this. You screwed up. Don't you realize we pay your money? It's in our DNA. Yeah. You love baseball. I love baseball. And you're a Yankees person? Yes. Your whole life? Yeah, well, my grandmother grew up, uh, my grandmother lived on 161st and Jerome Avenue, so mm-hmm. I, I grew up across the street from the stadium. So that's, you know, it, it, sports is so interesting to me because everybody's such an avid and fan and this, and it's really just a geographic accident. Sure. You know, my husband's a Patriots fan because his grandfather took him to a few Patriots games. That's just how it works. Yeah. And yet we think it's more meaningful than it is. Well, here's the weird thing, and I grew up a Phillies fan, but those guys aren't from Philadelphia. You no. know what I mean? Like, why are we acting like our city <laughs> is better right. That's than right. New York? But they're a, a damn good team, though. They are, but, you know, uh, if the Yankees are there at the end. See, here's my thing in life. When you're a kid and you have a fantasy, you're either on the Yankees or you're beating the Yankees. There's no other fantasy. Right. You have to have the Yankees involved in the World Series. And to beat the Yankees in the World Series, 
is unbelievable. Now you go beating the Indians. Who gives a yeah, shit? Yeah, right, right. No right. one is going to remember that yeah, World beat Series. The Tigers. Yes. Who cares? Or the Minnesota Twins. Right. No <laughs> one cares. So you've got to get there, and if you can get there with the Yankees, it sets it up. Now the good thing is. If you lose to the Yankees, you lost, hey, you to lost the, Yankees. the Yankees. So yeah. what? Yeah. These that's things like the, happen. You know what? That's like the Yankees-Mets thing. Like everybody always says, yeah. you know, Yankees fans hate the Mets. And there was, oh, we don't hate the Mets. We don't right. give a shit about the Mets. Mets, are, Mets fans hate Yankees. But the Mets, they're not a threat to us. No, not at all. <laughs> but the Mets fans think about the Yankees constantly. That's like, sibling rivalry. Yeah. The, Yang- the, the Mets can be playing the Cardinals and they're thinking about the Yankees in a different league. But what a pitching lineup you have there in Philly. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary. My dad watches every single game. My dad is a uh, a baseball guy and has been his whole life. But he also is lucky enough that he can take it or leave it. Like he doesn't, when the game's over, the game's over for him. He's not one of these guys who's going to burn. He's not having a heart pet. attack. Yeah. Yeah. He only gets the enjoyment enjoys, of it. But I think that that's, I think baseball is like, it's like that for me also. Baseball is, is, is such an incredible, pleasurable thing to yeah. watch if you get it. Well, it's it's summer. It's just on. Right. You don't right. even have. If you have the game on, you don't have to watch the game. The game's on. You go to a restaurant. The game is right. on. Right. It's very very nice and because it because it's not timed. It's this. It's there's a sense of of leisure and timing to it. There's no clock. Yeah. And then you're always you know hey we've got eighty games left. Right. You Let's miss relax, the game. Everybody. Right. Right. Let's relax. We've got so many games. And then as you get, then all of a sudden in October, it goes from this leisurely thing is, oh my God, this is a must win situation. So you go from like a marathon and then after the marathon, now who can win the 100 meter race? It's crazy. Right. right. What happens around the series? The pressure around these series is tremendous. Well, I think a, a Phillies Yankees series would be fantastic. Yeah. Let's root for that. I will root for that. And I will... I think our season will be over by then. I think our season's over mid-September. Yes. Is that would, right? Yeah, well, we just started, so it's 10 episodes. Yeah. yeah. No one knows when you guys come on or what you do. <laughs> Seriously, you come and go as you please. It's been like How, almost two years. Yeah, but two years. Not as I please, Ron. It's as Larry pleases, okay? <laughs> but at least you were in New York for this, right? Yeah, so five you, of them. Yeah. You finally... Got to stay at your house while you're yeah. It was curb. great. It was great, and and my my TV apartment was on Central Park West and Eighty Seventh Street. It was like right in my neighborhood. It was it was just fantastic. And you know, last summer, if you recall, it was extremely warm. Yes, it was. Um, and but even so, Larry said it was the greatest experience of his life. Even though we were out there sweating and everything was difficult, and it was New York and hot and smelly and. It was great. Well, the town also went nuts for you guys. Yeah. I mean, the town, the the weird thing about Larry is that he's so loved in a way that I think Woody Allen is loved here because... Not he, anymore. Well, he's, <laughs> well, that last movie did well. Yeah. Uh, but he gets New York, so even when Curb is, uh, you know, shot out west, it's still a New York feeling show. Yeah, but it, 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 at, it feels it felt so different to shoot in New York. Mm-hmm. There, you know, I hate to be cliche about this. There was such a different energy shooting in New York, where New York becomes a character. Uh, you know, like my apartment was on Central Park West. You look out my window, and a baseball fan. We have Bill Buckner on this season in wow. episode nine, which is fantastic. Oh God, it's such a great, my favorite episode. You look out the window of my apartment. You see Central Park. That's the backdrop. My house in Pacific Palisades, where we shoot, my TV house, mm-hmm. you look out the window, there's a shrub. 
Right. It, you know, it was like a completely different feeling. It just, it was great here. It was great. And I think, I think Larry very smartly just wanted to add a little energy to the show that we've never had before in that, in that sense. Uh, he did the thing with Woody Allen until he did the film. Yeah. With Woody Allen. Woody was his idol. Woody was a huge influence on Larry coming up. What about for you? Was it the same way? Uh, Woody was an influence on me. I mean, not so much his stand-up, because his stand-up was so different than my stand-up. You know, Woody's stand-up is so scripted. And I mean, but but growing up, you know, when I was growing up, you heard a new Woody Allen film was coming out. You were there that day. You know, that was it. it. I don't feel that way anymore. It's it's lost it for me the 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 allure. But what a run he's had! I oh mean, yeah, I, I mean, mean from the early bananas and yeah. the slapstick to Annie Hall and Manhattan in those years, and uh, one of my favorites, Broadway Danny Rose. You know, Larry was in Radio Days way way back. Yeah, he played the communist neighbor in Radio Days. That's so great. Uh, I know Louis Black was an extra in. I'm not sure which. Maybe it was Manhattan. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, no, no, I know what it was. It was Stardust Memories. Um, no, the one with the, with the, all the Thanksgiving dinners, the one where everything took place. Hannah and her sisters. Oh yes, and Hannah. Yeah, there yeah. There was a scene, and you just see Louis Black. Just, uh, he, I think he was supposed to be a writer. For, he always did great about grabbing local people like that. But though. you know, the thing you have to realize is, like when Larry did that, when Louis did that, you know, we all came up. You know, we're, we, we've all been doing this for a long, yeah. long time, and we all struggled for a long, long time. Yeah. And now the payoff is there for you. I mean, yeah. you go out, you have an audience. Yeah. Now. And what more do you want than to be able, as a stand up, show up and people are there to it's see you? It's the greatest thing in the whole world. It's the greatest, because for years we did these showcase clubs, Catch a Rising Star and the Comic Strip, Comedy Cellar, where you're on a lineup with 15 other comics, and every time you get up, you gotta win them over, you gotta win them over. Yeah. And I don't have to do that anymore. There's other pressure because they're there to see you. So yeah. the expectation is high and you really want to give them everything. You want to give a great show. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but I prefer it this way. Been Plus, think- I get paid more now. Yeah, <laughs> but the, and they've been thinking about you for two weeks. They're like, I can't wait. Remember, yeah. that's where we're going. Well, we used to do, you know, Joy and Larry and I and Lewis. We used to do, you know, these sets. We'd get paid seven bucks a night. Literally. $7 a night. Yeah, they called it camp fare. But you would put together enough of them that at some point... When did well, you on the make- weekends. Yeah. On the weekends, you'd get 50 bucks a set. So on the weekends, I used to run around and do seven, eight shows a, a night to make my rent. Right. But during the week, you only got 7 bucks a night. So that really that was enough to like go for coffee after. But couldn't you go over in Jersey and some of the... Yeah, they would do those things. standing on a bar somewhere. Yeah, right. and, and Yeah, nightmare <laughs> gigs. Yeah. And those you usually, usually got about 60, 60 yeah. bucks for. Yeah. And that was years and years I just struggled doing those shows. Years. Did you ever think about quitting? No. Never did. Never thought about quitting. No. I always made a living. I always would do some other stuff, like some voiceovers and little acting gigs. And then, mm-hmm. and then I would do like every Jewish country club in the tri-state area. They're <laughs> Saturday nights in the summers. They paid a little more. Started out, I used to get like, you know... 300 bucks for one of those shows right. those days you know and that was like okay my rent was 300 bucks so it's like it was doable but that's a pretty judgmental audience right i mean oh they, man are they judgmental yeah they've seen everybody, everybody. i saw jackie mason i yeah. saw don rickles they've seen everybody they judge 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 but i i figured out how to work them how's that you play to their narcissism they all know each other so, because they were all in the same country club. So right. you start talking to Morris up front, and they're like, oh, she's talking to Morris. Oh, my God. And then, you know, you just, you play to their narcissism, and it works every time. 
Um, <laughs> and it's all Curb that changed everything for you, though, right? After Curb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was doing better and better. I had a right. couple of HBO special stuff like that. But yeah, Curb definitely turned my career Isn't around. Isn't it the weirdest thing that just that if you're on television... Yeah, there. it's so powerful. Yeah, there's very few people that have made it without uh, a steady TV gig. Carlin, I guess. But Carlin did a lot of TV spots. Right. And he had a couple of sitcoms, none that really went anywhere. No, no, no. But uh, he, his sitcoms never really, I don't think he ever had a sitcom that took off. Or even a big movie, right? I mean, he acted in other he people's acted movies. In some, right, but he never had a big, you're right, you're absolutely correct. It's crazy when you think about yeah, that. They never made the true. George Carlin movie. That's true. Oh, what a man he was, too. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Again, different kind of comedian. Very much the written word. Brilliantly written. You know, but when I was... The, more of my influences when I was coming up with somebody like Rickles, who was just so quick, quick, quick off yeah. the cuff. Had you ever seen him when you were younger before... I had never been in a comedy club till yeah. I actually got on stage in a comedy club. That's actually, that's not true. I once I was in California and my cousin took me to, to the comedy store to see Richard Pryor, who you know is Jesus. the god amongst men and of stand up comics. And um, he was working on a new special, and I was watching. He was working material. It was just doing a little showcase. It wasn't a big concert. It was yeah. just on stage. And I remember thinking that I never realized that that's how it worked. I thought you had to have a completed act and a new one every night. Mm-hmm. I thought you had to have all new material every yeah. night. And I, watching prior work was when I started to think, oh, maybe I could do that. But I had never been in a comedy club. I didn't know the whole world. And from what I understand about Richard Tillis, he had no problems going up there and it not working. Like, there's some comics, they got to kill every night. Right, Even right. if they go on in front of five people, he'd be like, okay, that's not, I'll just change it. And the people who watched him do it said you could see the genius well, he was, coming he over was time. Well, he was true genius as a know? comic. He had everything you want as a comedian. Just, you know, dropped it funny. Right. And warm and accessible and vulnerable. He was so vulnerable. See, that's what Woody never had, that vulnerability. He, Woody never had that thing that Pryor has that, that, that I always wanted to have. You know, that, that connection to an audience, that vulnerable, yeah. just rip your heart open and tell the truth. Uh, and he told stories and it did characters and he did, you know, I mean, Pryor just had everything that you could possibly have as a comedian. I think he might have been the best stand-up comic ever. It was seemed to have been made for him. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, if you just know him from from his movies, it's such a small part of what really made. Well, him I genius. think any any young comic or old comic uh-huh. should go rent his his concert uh, films. Yeah, they're he amazing. has a few of them. Uh, Curb is back on. Thank God for that. <laughs> and you're still touring around right now? Are you taking the summer off or what are you doing? No, I'll be at Caroline's Thursday night. This mm-hmm. Thursday night I'll be at Caroline's and then I'll be at Foxwoods July 30th and then I'm taking August off to move and then uh, September I got some, I'll be at Caroline's 15th, 16th of September, uh, Ridgefield, Connecticut the 17th of September and then I'm exhausted. Alright, we'll come back and see us every time you're in the building. I right? will, Ron. Alright, Susie Espen, great to have you. Brings out a need in me that no one can hear itself. Then why 
midnight confession When I'm telling the world that I love you Peppy uh, Hamburger uh, actually up on the table and go-go dancing that song. One of the great pop songs and a uh, major, major loss today, Fez. Uh, uh, Robert Grill from the Grassroots uh, passed away. Of course, Creed was in that band. Yep, from The Office. Creed from The Office. Uh, those YouTubes are just hysterical because they keep Creed on the other side of the stage from everyone yeah. else. yeah. Like he had an old man smell. <laughs> God's great character. Um, by the way, Kathleen um, from the BX wrote in, It's the fucking bite, Kelmets Ron! <laughs> she loves Susie Essman. Oh, she's amazing. So much. By the way, Kathleen, thank God I got my Virgin Mary back on again. Thank God. Because if I hit, get hit by a bus, uh, I almost see this the same way as like our... Key card here, like I just swiped us through on the way into heaven. Oh, that's nice. Wish I had one. Uh, Fez, you started with a terrific morning, mm -hmm. and then somehow after Susie Essman, you kind of lost your spine, you said. Yeah, yeah, where it was like, I'm just having trouble thinking of things to talk about. Anything that I thought was interesting now just seems awful. All right, here's what I want to point out to you, though. Do you remember when I was talking with Susie? Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about anything. Just two people talking. We didn't know I was going to go to baseball. You know, we mentioned her show for like a minute or two. When you're really a couple people talking and you're present in the moment, doesn't matter what you're talking about. Right, and I think I concentrated on that too much. Concentrated on what? On when I keep telling myself, stay in the moment, stay in the moment. Don't tell yourself to stay in the moment. I end when up you not being in the moment. Well, yeah, you're not in the moment if you're telling yourself to stay in the moment. Just be here. Mm -hmm. What is it that you would like to talk about if we were just a couple of fellas? Um, how's, uh, like, the sitcoms that are my favorites now scare the hell out of me. There is always, we, uh, well, with Curb, we talked about the, the tampon thing. And then uh, with Louie, I get scared to death watching that show. Like, I thought the episode well, with his sister... Happen. You know, I thought, gonna happen. I thought she was going to lose the baby. It makes me a nervous wreck. They're all actors. Do you ever tell yourself that? They're just acting? They're having fun? Yeah, and the uh, the homeless guy coming after him, I didn't know what was going to happen. Well, you duck, and the homeless guy gets his head knocked off. Yeah, he gets his head severed. Nice. See, I truck. didn't see that coming at all. Mm. You're happy, Maybe though, that's right? why you like reruns. You want to know that everything's okay, except for all the actors are dead. Now in real life. Oh, I know. I just saw where they're going to do at one of the comic con at the big comic con in San Diego. They're going to do the Batman TV series reunion, and I'm just Joker's dead, Riddler's dead, Penguin's dead. Speaking of which, so many people wrote into me that you should get the video game, the Batman video game, because uh, the Riddler is going to be in the video game. Now, what kind of game player do you have? What do you have? I don't have any sort of game system. How do you play your games? I don't play games. Why not? Yeah, I don't... I don't really have the dexterity for it. Dexterity? Yeah. What are you talking about? My thumbs hurt when I play video games. 
I can't I can't get the controllers to control the way I want to control. I can never get someone. I couldn't get a character to move left or right. Well, how long did you try to play it? Maybe like a couple of weekends. See, I mean, if you got on a bike, right, and you fell off, you and you got up and said, "I can't do that." You see how silly that would be, right? Sure. Like, why? What's keeping you from just doing it? Um, with video games, I think it's just a real lack of interest in it. I think it's the fact that oh. I think that it's the fact. Like, if I was moving Batman around Arkham Asylum, there's no end to it. But here's what yeah, we don't understand. Storyline. Here, this is always the thing with us, Fez, that we try to figure out how you spend your time. You don't read books. No. Uh, you don't watch films. Um, you don't listen to music at all. You don't play video games. Now, here's the weird thing. You live alone, and you don't have friends outside of your work friends or your family. We're having a hard time ever figuring out the 20 hours that you're not in here. All right. Yeah, and I would have trouble figuring it out, too, because it seems to blow by. And yet I'm not really doing anything than going on the computer, uh, doing some napping and watching news. There's really not much more than getting something to eat. So does it feel like time is ticking by slowly or going by fast for you? Oh, it flies by. It absolutely flies by. So you nap on your couch. Mm-hmm. I'll fall asleep on the couch. You nosh. And you have on CNN? Uh, CNN or MSNBC. A lot of headline news lately with the Casey Anthony stuff. See, to that they're me, still trying to work. The life that you're explaining, the couch, CNN, it seems like you're in the waiting room of a dentist office for eternity. There's no, you know what I mean? You gotta like, mix it up. Hey, magazines only don't read. Fuck. Magazines hurt. <laughs> it's just impossible to... And then you come in here, and you're like, I don't know when I talk about it. I'm ill-prepared. You have the news on constantly. HLN. You think that you would want to come rush again and discuss what you've seen in the news. Yeah, I'm always hoping something's going to go by that will catch my interest, other than do we raise the debt ceiling. Yes. Uh, here's Kim in Tampa. You're on the Fez. Hi, guys. Fezzy, I have a question for you. What kind of phone do you have? Do you have one of the? Do you have a smartphone? No, I don't have a smartphone. He phone. actually has a dumb phone. Well, yeah, that's that too. But I mean, there's games like Angry Birds. There's no dexterity involved yeah. in that. You just have to slide your finger across the screen. You can do that. Yeah, that really, it doesn't hold any interest for me of wanting to, you know, break out of a castle or something. You don't break out of a castle with Andrew, Angry Birds. No. You, but what are you thinking about? You get the pigs. I'm actually, uh, it's basically, like I was saying, stay in the moment, stay in the moment. I'm like, think of something, think of something. But you're all by yourself. Right, but uh, no, but it's like, think of something for tomorrow's show. And it's just... 
and it goes from there. Like and hour. somehow the night just, I mean, it just, I blink and the night is over. Like hours at a time that's going on? What's that? For hours at a time that's going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. See, I think to do a, do a show, you really don't need to be, like, think of something to say tomorrow. I think you just got to start saying stuff. That's one of the things I tell myself. Just start saying stuff. Just talk. All right, we're going to let you talk. Go ahead. That's, that's going <laughs> to be <laughs> that bad. That was the worst thing. It was the worst thing. <laughs> no. You know, this would be like if Fez was a bus driver, but he really hated driving and children and following a route. <laughs> this is what his job would feel like Shit. to him. I just don't like that. It's too rooty. It's like busting my tool. Oh. Right, hold on. Let me get over here to uh, Dave. Dave, you're on Fez. Hey, uh, Fez, do you know that technically Batman lives in his parents' basement? It's kind of funny when you think about it. <laughs> sure. He really is the all-time nerd. He's got his computer down there. His man <laughs> He has the first computer. This is probably the first computer any of us heard of. Well, what the fuck is that? It takes up a whole bat wall. It's like a fucking box and it tells him information. <laughs> this is fucking nuts. How does it get all that information? <laughs> Quite um, a bit of lights on it. Here's uh, Daniel. Daniel, you're on Fez. Daniel, we got you? Come on. Lost you. No. Uh, Fez, I was... Uh, are you still finding money and believing it's from your dad? Oh, yes. Yes. There was a thing that I was reading about. I'm going to try to get the... I hate fucking the Latin names for anything, but it's Apnea, I think is the name of it. And that's seeing patterns in nature or events that some kind of pattern takes place. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I think it was called Knowing, where there were numbers yeah, that yeah. were running out. Cage? With Nick Cage? With yeah. yeah. Where that would kind of describe what... It'll happen to some mathematicians. Like Pi, too, almost? Yeah, Pi would be the same way. Um, so, And gamblers, I think, have it worse than anyone. Hell They're, yeah. Gamblers will have... Something like if they had a dream about something or someone brought something up to them, that it would mean that. So it's like trying to find meanings in patterns. Uh, your thing, the pattern of change being on the street, meaning that your dad is thinking of you, you know, that you kind of take that leap ahead. Now, it used to be thought of as madness, but they've pulled it back a little bit and... Interesting uh, enough that something that would have been insanity now no longer really is complete insanity only because so many people do it. So you've got a name for some of these. I love when you can find a name for some of your nuttiness. Tim, you're on Fez. Hey, uh, guys. Uh, Ronnie, you're right. Fez doesn't need a topic to talk about. He had a little thing going there where he started talking about being scared of uh, sitcoms. That went into the fact that you like the reruns and everybody's dead, which went over to the Comic-Con thing and then went into the video games. It was one of those revolving subject things that worked perfectly. Well, yeah, well, he's he's doing it fine right now. He's 
in his right, moment. Right, but he never, he never thought of a, you know, a subject. Here's a subject, go. You just yeah. talk. Yeah, there is very, I, I will agree with that. Is when he has the, he, see, this also happens with Fez. So he'll go like, I'm going to bring up that I hate looking at coffee grounds. That's going to be my topic. And then Ron will probably say that he likes talking, thinking about coffee grounds. And then Pepper will say, What are coffee grounds? And I'll say to him, So he makes up this whole kind of inward play of how it's going to go and then when uh, pepper and i don't answer the way that we had yeah in his brain play that's what fucks him up oh and then i'll go what happened to you buddy and he's like well i thought you were going to say that that's why that you like instant coffee and i'll have to go what are you talking about well i made up in my mind that you said that you like instant and he always says that shit to me off the air oh. and i'm like dude you ought to say it on the fucking air and then also what happens is if I don't get that response, I tr start repeating myself to try to get everyone back on script. Oh, that was from another fucking movie. What was the movie where the, uh, uh, Existence or something like this, where they were inside the game game? Yeah, that was, that was, exist that was the Z in yeah, yeah, yeah. Existence, yeah. So what, what happened is that they're inside the video game, and when they give the wrong answer, the woman keeps saying it until finally yeah. they answer it the way the game wanted to. You are locked in these fucking things. Um, here's Bob. Bob, you're on my face. Whoops, let's try again. Go ahead, Bob. I was going to tell Fez that, hell, CNN, headline news, sitting on the couch, throw the weather channel there. He's just like any normal 86-year-old. There is some truth to that. He is retired. Then he just comes over here and watches his grandchildren work. What time do you eat, Fez, every day? Four. Oh, Jesus. That's when the specials are. Hmm. Here's uh, Vinny. Vinny, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, uh, Ronnie, how about giving Fez an hour? Fezzy, tomorrow bring in like all the takeout menus in front of your door and just read them for an hour. It could be Spanish, Chinese, whatever it is. It well, you don't really look at the takeout menus because you order the same thing every day, right? Right. I just I know what I want each day. What's so. today? Today is Tuesday. That's going to be the uh, baked chicken. How many times have we told you if you broke this pattern, you might be able to break others? I know it's been going on for five fucking years. Yeah, a long time now. Well, let's get what? tacos tonight. Fuck it. Get crazy. What's a taco? He has no idea. <laughs> it's a Mexican dish. Well, you have just appetizers, as you call them. Uh, 866, Ron, zero fez, 866. Run zero Fez. Uh, here's Stephen in Georgia. You're on Fez. Yeah, I'm just I'm just curious about this whole thing. Uh, not doing anything all day. I mean, he has to do something. I mean, like masturbation, something. I mean, you guys have to happen somehow. You said you haven't done that since your dad died, because he'll be able to see it from the great unknown. Oh yeah, yeah. The feeling hasn't even been there for quite a while. You got dead dick. Dead dick, and then even if I think that there's the fact some... that he just said dead dick and just acted like it's a real phrase, like yes, dead dick. That's Thank you, Ron. Absolutely. Mm. And um, even when there is a feeling, yeah, there's like uh, very rarely completion. 
Oh. Just don't want to see your dad sitting there from beyond seeing you slap on a fucking Play-Doh dick. You got to get that out. Mm. Uh, Adam, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hi, everybody. So I'm with my sandwich down here. Um, just about the patterns thing you mentioned, Ronnie. I was watching, I don't know if it was the recent Bobby Fischer documentary or another about chess greats that... That's why a lot of them went completely nuts is because when it came to decision-making, their brains were going, calculating out, you know, the 400,000 different possibilities of what one simple little decision would make. And maybe this is slowly what's happening to Fez, just less the amazing chess skill. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess he's living in different realities than the rest of us. Some of them are these alternate realities that he makes up in his apartment, where I guess during the show in the in the in the apartment show that you do, you try to say the way the show is going to go, including the stuff that Hicks and I will be talking about. Are they always good shows in your brain? Yeah, they always start out as good shows. Like, all right, this is something that's good, and then you know, like I said, it goes off script, so it goes nowhere, and then I think no. But just let's just stay within your brain right now. In there, me and Pepper just saying to you, that's great, Fez, or you're killing Fez? Um, that, no, it's basically like it's a really good conversation going, mm -hmm. and everybody's getting off lines, and... Why don't you do this? When you get this thing, and I've told... This is another thing that gets frustrating, because I've told you this 90 times. Type one of those up, and we'll read it. Yeah. And we'll see what happens in the brain show. I would love to do the brain oh, show. The with brain you. show would be the shit. By the way, I get so many emails right now. Tell me how much they love Susie Essman. She's the best. People she's are fucking crazy about her. She's great, and she gets away with murder. That's right. Now she should. I don't know if you can become a bigger star in this country that Regis is, but he sat there with his tiny little fucking feet, not coming <laughs> close to the floor, <laughs> petrified on that uh, Marriage Rough show. And how about she comes in? Oh, you watched that show because. This the fucking ratings on that I saw the other day are almost non-existent. Oh. They said if it wasn't NBC, it would be canceled. If it was on another network, <laughs> the thing that's got going with them was like, what else are we going to put there? Desperation of that fucking network. I've got a an idea. I call the Brain Show, okay. and it's a show that takes place in Fez's brain. Type us up an hour of the Brain Show tonight. Oh my god! Uh, I don't see. I can tr I can try. What try? What are you talking about? You just told us that you do a brain show that kills. The brain show doesn't work that way, though. What do you mean it doesn't work that way? Where it's actual lines. I just I don't hear the script. I just picture it going really well. All right, so you're coming up with a soundless radio show. You visualize radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I you I've, see why you have I, trouble with preparation. Yeah, I'm picturing the, the one, studio. Yeah, the one thing that matters is the words that people are doing. So you're not hearing anything. It's a silent film of two other guys giving you a thumbs up and, and partying. Yeah, going back and forth like, and then then there's a piano playing, and then underneath of it, it just said. Fez must be killing right now. Look how much Peppy <laughs> Hamburger and fucking Ron are laughing. But you told us when things don't go right, you try to get us back on script. Right, yeah. Because, well, here's what happens. I, like, think a couple of things through, and I think that's going to be some sort of launching pad. 
and everything's going to go great from there. Well, so I just keep resetting up the launch pad. Well, set up a launch pad right now. The, um, the Westboro Baptist Church is going to protest Betty Ford's mm-hmm. uh, funeral on Thursday. So I was thinking that this is like uh, being a former first lady. This has got to be their biggest celebrity funeral. Okay. I'll agree. So they've done like Ryan Dunn and um, Elizabeth Edwards, Geraldine Ferraro, they protested at. And then say nothing. Well, what would we say in this case? Because I do agree with your premise. You, you know, other than a president, you're not going to get bigger than a first lady's funeral. Right, yeah. And then, I, I don't know, and then I think in my mind it's going to be like, is a first lady bet, uh, a bigger celebrity than an actor? Is like yes. A, is, a, is, a, is Betty Ford bigger than Elizabeth Taylor? They went to her funeral. So you thought we'd all just start debating it ferociously. And then, yeah, and woody conversation would come out of my mouth. And like what kind of woody kind of Oh, that I have no idea. Like Elizabeth Taylor, she weighed quite a bit, didn't she? Whoa. <laughs> she got married enough or what? Um... Here's uh, Tony here on Fez. Hey, Fezzy. Hey. I have a suggestion for conversation. Can we go ahead and ban it or shine this ban you have on watching any movies until they put the Riddler in a Batman movie? Because if you go back to going to the movies, I'd love to hear your take on them. Is there any movie you even feel like you missed that you wanted to see? Uh, the X-Men movie and the Green Lantern movie. Hmm. And then I heard really horrible things about Green Lantern. Uh, Randy, you're on running Fez. Um, you know, it was a little bit ago, uh, Pepper asked Fez what time you ate, and he said that's when the specials are. Why would someone who has a national show want to save a buck on dinner off of an $8 dinner and have to eat at a certain time just to do so? If it was $8, it would be a special. He likes, well, to, well, he likes to have a standard way of being, being somewhere. He likes to feel like he's been institutionalized. That's his favorite thing in life. Adam, you're around a Fez. Hey, hey, Ronnie. Hey, Fez. Um, I was wondering, why not do something with, you know, have the callers call in, or, or Ronnie, you give them some suggestions. Just give them an itinerary after the show. Just tell them, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go after the show. You're going to go grab a bite to eat here. You're going to go see this movie. You're going to go watch a play, go home, read this book, do something. Just force him to get outside of his comfort zone a little bit, because that's the stuff that, that life is based on, you know, that you'll be able to draw from to have things to talk about. I mean, going to the same restaurants and going home and watching the the news is just, just not going to cut it, you know? Hmm. So I'll know. play the part of Fez's mom who tells him what he has to do every day. Fez, would you like some breast milk from my teat? Well. No, thank you. I'd rather not still breastfeed. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I, sorry. 
I don't I I don't know where the time goes. That night. It's over really quickly. Let's see how the time goes by here on the show. We'll I, just... I have the feeling a lot slower. Why? Because I'm not thinking of anything to say. Hey, Matt, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ron. You know, I just turned on the radio, and boy, let me tell you, it's so nice to talk about Fez again. I mean, it's been a couple of days, and we haven't heard much from Fez, so I'm glad we can talk about Fez all day again. Mm. All right, I'm going to make up an itinerary for Fez. Like the uh, caller said. Would you be willing to do it, Fez? Sure. All right, number one is hunting. Oh, I hate hunting. It does You don't even know hunting. Yeah. So you're not going to do the itinerary. So far, I've had breast milk and hunting, and he says no to him. Oh, come on. Now, this was the new thing, the itinerary. Forget the itinerary. Wait, see this itinerary? Yeah, I see. Oh, that's the itinerary. I can't read it now. <sighs> Daniel, you're on one of Fez. Daniel. Oh, hey, how's it going, guys? Fez, don't worry. Uh, I was also batshit crazy like you, and uh, I'm I'm somewhat normal now, but I guess I'm still calling the show, so can't be that all right. Uh, I, I can't fucking take to... much more of you, Daniel. You're a rambling nut. Yeah, I know. Um, I was calling to suggest that you get Fez really drunk and do a show. All right, that'll be number two. Uh, drunk. Hunt and drunk. Well, I quit drinking. But it's on the itinerary. Yeah. It's official. Well, Hunt it's and then drunk. Half an itinerary now. First one was ripped up. Uh, Tom, you're on running Fez. Hey, uh, Fez, I'm wondering if in the after show in your brain, if I say something funny. Cookie? Cookie? That's what that's what my cat would say. Who's been throwing up a lot lately and uh as soon as you get those sensitive stomach formula cat foods, they throw up more. I think it gives sensitive stomach. Tell me I'm running fuzz. Ah, fuzzy million bucks. Running you sound like you're having some trouble. Maybe all the callers should call in and give you some advice. I'm struggling today. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And I've picked my scalp. Maybe you need an itinerary. Maybe go fishing. I hate fishing. It's on the itinerary, though. You go to Six Flags. I'm not going there. Never. It's Batman ride. I hate him. It'll be a pottery class. I don't even know what that is. Class to teach how to make pottery. Hate classes. I don't know. Start a blog. Where? The internet. 
Who? Look at this repartee he's getting going, huh? Sounds like somebody's playing a game of give and take. All right, it is the uh, Ron and Fez show. Um, Joe, you're on Ron and Fez. Hey, uh, I got two things. Uh, first, just wondering if uh, Fez, maybe if he tried painting again, maybe that'd help him out, like break out of his shell, get something more to talk about. And uh, uh, some guy's going to get the shit out of Chichester. You above Bullshit, that'll never fucking happen. This is our fucking year. This is our fucking year. Where the fuck's that come from? You're never going to beat us eight years in a row, ever. I don't know if I, uh... Oh, here it is. Chances huh. high score is good. Dwayne, you're on Run Fez. Hey, Ron, you gotta check out a movie called Mary and Max. The character in the movie has Asperger's, and he's identical to Fez, even down to clipping his toenails and putting them in jars. See, here's the weird thing. Uh, and people brought up, does Fez have Asperger's? Your shrink says no, right? Right. And I know before he wasn't like this. I've already told you. When he yeah. wasn't like this at all. Yeah, then that that move happened and the change occurred. The conscious change, apparently. Unless I caught Asperger's. I don't know if that's something you have to be born with. Where would you catch it? I have no idea. So you want to feel like you have Asperger's. You want to find things that are wrong with you. No, if people are saying I have it, because I've checked into it and the, the shrink says no. But why would you want to say that you caught it? Since you talked, you're straight. Who would want to feel like they have mental illness? Oh, hell no. Fuck that. Uh, Nate, you're in Fez. Hey, buddies. I got the perfect itinerary for Fezzy. What's that? Number one, he gets roofied. Number two, he gets mouth fucked. Boy, this bed isn't going to go away, is it? Oh, D-man. Oh, uh oh, D E man. Uh, Don, you're on my face. Hi, what, Fez? Can you hear me? Yeah. I am so glad Fez is back. Fez, you sound awesome, and keep up the great work. What about if you take? Um, you're talking about topics. Talk about the next day. What about if you take a bunch of topics that you thought about, Fez, put them on a like a corkboard, and then throw a dart at them and see which one you talk about every day. Yeah. This is where you would be answering her. Sorry. Quirk board experience. Are you going to CBE? CBE. 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 What are you doing? You're not corkboard experiencing. You're just sitting there while your friends are going CBE around you. Right. Wouldn't you be interacting here? Join the channel. Oh, uh, chanting what? along, right? No. Fucking bringing up your corkboard. 
Oh, you I don't do- have one, and I don't really have one. Well, you have those fucking topics in front of you, right? Of course. Uh-huh. Why don't you CBE one of those fuckers? Come on. What are you doing? London. Where's Phil the, day, uh, the DA? Where's Phil the DA? Yeah. London. Is getting ready for the 2012 Olympics. Can I just tell you something? What's that? <laughs> now you're Yahoo Newsing. The way See, that you're that, Yeah. What? See, that's what I didn't want to do. Well, when you were going to be the news guy, you wouldn't news guy it up. Go ahead. London. They'd line London. Oh, shit. They're getting ready for the 2012 Olympics. They want to do a Beatles reunion. Well, there's only two. Well, they want to have Paul and Ringo and then family members like Julian and Sean Lennon and like Donnie uh, Harrison. All right, that's not a Beatles reunion. No. That's like a train wreck. Like, if I did the show with... Your brother. Would that be the Ron and Fez show? No. I mean, it's kind of weird. So I didn't know if there was... Uh, I, it, it's harder to do if like the Olympics were in America. Why would that be harder? To do something like this, because if we were trying to do a reunion, you could do Beatles stuff with Paul, because you have Paul back there. Paul available. Okay, but like if we were trying to do a big thing like that for America, like the Doors, you don't have Jim Morrison, and you or you wouldn't have Kurt Cobain if you're trying to do Nirvana. They do the Beach Boys. Yeah, they don't have everybody. Uh, yeah, that's true. When we just get Aerosmith, we got all them. Or let's just do the Beatles. I want to try to do a to you okay. tribute, Ben, where I'll do fucking tributes to you. Wow, a tribute to a tribute, Ben. That's going to be sick. So Aerosmith would be our version of the Beatles? We don't have to have a version of the Beatles. Dylan is our version of the Beatles. We have Dylan. We got the Supremes. We got the Temps. We got Stevie Wonder. Smokey Robinson. We got a lot of fucking people to be proud of. Fuck yeah. But no, we didn't have the Beatles. They did. So, yeah. I, I don't, um. So what was your question? What was this corkboard experience? What is our version of the Beatles? Yeah, who would we? Who would be as big uh, for us trying to get the Beatles back together? Stevie Wonder, fucking Smokey Robinson, all the fucking Motown guys. You ever see uh, Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band play at Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. So we do that kind of stuff at the Super Bowl. You ever see any of our big Super Bowl shows? Right. Yeah. That's what we do. We don't have to act like, oh, someone bring their kids. All right. Uh, why don't we break here, getting into the 2 o'clock hour on the Ryan Fest show. You know, I feel like Chris Stanley have completely ignored you today. No, it's okay. I mean, we've had the likes of Mr. Earl Morris and Susie Espin come in here, and that's the shit. And also, I'm putting together... Aerosmith reunion. I can't get Joe Perry, so I'm going to use Steve Perry. Oh, the Asian Steve Perry? Yeah. 
All right, that might actually be pretty good. That guy's got some great fucking lungs. He's actually doing a Steve Perry show where he does some of the solo work as well. <laughs> That's great. By the way, as you and your friends still act like, uh, hey, let's ironically put on fucking... Fucking love it, man. Jerry. Look, it's on the jukebox, dude, in the bar. Let's put it on. They're going to love it. You ever no. throw it on at home? No, I don't think I have any journey at home. That's truth. What about lights? You'll never make it through that fucking song <laughs> without crying. I do anything. It's good stuff. But it's got to go into that other fucking song. I can't have lights just on its own. Okay, it's yeah. It's got to fucking go right in to stay a while. Like the live version. Rob, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, hey. Um, you know, last week when I when we were all introduced to Frank Watson, it was one of like the best characters that, that we heard Fez do. It was just a little more flamboyant than, you know, how he normally is. But when he comes back to doing Fez and being himself, then he's like, you know, shit in the bed. So why can't you just pretend that Fez is a character all in himself and not you and look at it like that from an outside perspective and that might help you, you know, not like, you know, start panicking, thinking like what am I going to say? But just start, just think in the mode of I'm doing a character. The Advice Show. Maybe we should bring the characters back. You think? Uh, all new ones? Or I know we all revisit. love Frank Watson. Frank Watson's great. And really, uh, uh, a chance to get to know some of the other ones a little more. Yeah. That's like, sure. I really think that the news guy could have been huge. Yeah. I think that that was something that should have been worked out. Frank Reynolds. Would you, Hank? Hey, Hank Reynolds. Hank Reynolds, who was caught up on a single line from 1980. 31 years ago, I did one thing. That's right. Reagan, baby. Um, Graham, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Love you. Love the show. Just wondering, coming down September 1st, what kind of Cubans you want me to smuggle over from Canada? Whatever kind of Cubans you get from Canada is fucking good. I mean, you don't want to put your life on the line. You can hey, be shot for you, it's fucking, worth it. You can be shot at the fucking border like you were Sonny Corleone. Oh, no. Hey, it would be totally worth it. Totally worth it. And also, if Chris Stanley wants some blue label, I'm more than happy. Oh, shit. Love Fuck yeah. Wow. That's a great Not gift. Mabel, blue label. <laughs> You better believe You guys let me know I'm, I'm down there with it I can't wait to see you guys no, I don't want to be Fucking caught on the phone Talking with you Like news of the world uh, Could be on yeah, Throw me off air We'll arrange it Um Yeah we'll take care Of all that Are you kidding me Beautiful Uh Fez character back You want to do Characters back I can actually do that all right, we're going to break here. You got something to talk about. Hicks. I got beef with the Juggalos. That's right. ICP. Really? That's right, yeah. Those are your fucking guys, though. I know. Yeah, but they just did. They they came out. TM, they got someone from TMZ. They they were saying some things that I... Not, about you? No, not personally, personally about me. Not personally about me, no. All right, we'll be back with that. And, of course, more Joe the Florist. It's the Ron and Fez Show. What's up with it, Vanilla Face? Uh, me and my homie Azamat just parked our slab outside. Please. We're looking for somewhere to post up our black asses for the night. So uh, bang, bang, uh, skid, skid. We're just a couple of pimps, no hoes.
Yeah, buddies. It's the Ron and Fez show. Can I kick it? Can I kick it? Chris Stanley raising hell right now with the Juggalos. What the hell's going on, Chris? Well, Violent J, they have, they're having the gathering of the Juggalos soon. It's in, uh, in August. And now they're saying they're having less security now because... They, I'm, I'm going to guess that they want their other celebrity guests to be attacked. Because last year there was Teal Tequila and Method Man mm-hmm. got shit thrown at them. And there was, you know, there's headlines all over, you know, celebrities attacked at, you know, ICP gathering or whatever. And now he's saying, yeah, there's going to be even less security this year because everyone just brings it on themselves. And we're going to just get even more heat when someone does get fucked up. And well, like, Ice well, Cube's going to be there, Billy. Ice Cube, no one's going to fuck with Ice Cube because he'll start busting <laughs> cap. He's going to fucking 91 go off. I don't know. He, he, I think he's mellowed in years. I saw him fucking fighting with an ice bucket the other day on a commercial. <laughs> he doesn't take any shit. Did oh. you just know on me? Nothing is colder than ice cube. Oh, I, I saw that too. It's nice. fucking great. Corey's like <laughs> I'd rather watch that than most people's movies. True. There's a lot of crap out there. I heard uh, Captain America was in here today. Yes, he, he was he was he was in on all night, yeah. But did he do a good job? No, oh, he was great, yeah. Now do you think Captain America's is gonna be a good movie? I don't um, you, you know, the whole thing of he's got a shield and a gun, I don't know. I I think that maybe the fact that he's fighting Nazis will bring people in, since people like the World War Two thing. I think anything with, Do they? Yeah, I think anything with with Nazis and World War Two people are attracted to. See, I always said Take fucking Superman back to the original days. They got Superman. No one can believe a Superman today. Yeah. But if you put him back, at, you know, in the twenties, yeah, all right, Superman. Find the depression or whatever. So maybe it's a very smart thing that Captain America is retro. Yeah, I, it's, that's why I was really surprised when they actually put in the original story and not just throw. Yeah, I'm very times. surprised too. Yeah, dude, I was fucking shocked. Your shit was blowing the fuck up, yeah, right? I didn't know what the fuck to do? <laughs> um. All right, so you're mad at the Juggalos, and you think that they're looking to hurt people. Yeah, they're looking to get... I think uh, ice, ice, Vanilla Ice will be there as well. I have a little ice. No one's going to fuck with them. I don't know. No he, one's going to fuck with Van Winkle. I don't know if they like his contracting show that he has on TV. Let me tell you something. They better stop, hesitate, and listen. That fucker's going to go ninja in a heartbeat. Uh, we wanted to say hi to some of the characters, because Fez locked up today uh, and has been struggling. Yeah, it's not. And I thought he started Gangbusters. Yeah, banging it out. Banging. He did really good until his nemesis, Susie Essman, got here. I I can't understand this. It's Susie Essman. Everybody loves Susie Essman. Fez doesn't, apparently. Oh. So let's go over the list of characters, because I can't even remember them all. We had D Man, uh, Reggie the Florist, Stephen the Retired Motivational Speaker. Solange, which of Snorcher Snitcher, Frank Watson, Jersey Joe, Barry Delmar, Hank Reynolds, Loretta, and Max Anderson Williams, or Maul. <laughs> Maul, man. Maybe. No, I think we all agreed that Frank Watson caught on, but I don't know about any of the others. Uh, let's take a listen to some of these. Let's go back to D Man. What's going on? <laughs> His question is, what does cum taste like? Oh, man, I have no idea. Unless, of course, you slipped me some sort of roofie and you were having your way with the D-man, my friend. If that's your fantasy, enjoy. 
the, the, the D-man could stand for dream then, I big th- boy. I think that we should have like a very quiet D-man in the house for when it doesn't quite get over. Um, I did somewhat of a comeback, I think. Slip me a roofie and fuck me in the mouth. Yeah, and then I wake up with cum taste in my mouth. <laughs> Uh, that's that's D-Man, and I think that's where we kind of lost him. Here's Reggie the Florist. Reggie the Florist. Uh, let's take a listen. Reggie the Florist, glad to be here. Thrilled to be here on the Run and Fresh show. Where I met my good friend, Chris Stanley, on the subway. Mm-hmm. And you know it was uh, when I met when I met him I wasn't sure what was going on there. It was like we said in the gardening business. He's a bad seed. All right, he was very punny. Oh yeah. Uh here's Stephen the retired motivational speaker. Hello everyone. I'm Stephen. Welcome. I feel Welcome. I've already been here. I feel so welcome here at Sirius <laughs> XM. All right. Now I'm not getting a a large array of voices. No. We're starting this way or deep. Uh, here's Solange, though. Everyone likes Solange. Solange is here. Thank God. <laughs> Not a lot from Solange. He was a. Uh, he was. He was a. Uh, All these characters character. like to introduce themselves. Yeah. Now you know Susie Essman was here uh, today and never once said her own name. No. <laughs> you know, real people don't come in. Hey, I'm Susie Essman. How's it going? Susie Essman here. Susie Essman from Curb wants to answer that question. <laughs> Real people just happen to be rather than state. In case you didn't know, Susie Essman in studio. As you know, I'm Susie Essman. All right, now Frank Watson we all love. Let's listen to Frank. Hello, Ron Bennington. Hi, Frank Watson. What are you up to? It is thrilling to be broadcasting from the sixth and largest state that... Has gay marriage legalized? So this is something that Frank, that you are for or against? I am absolutely for for right. play. Let me put it that way. All right, Frank Watson killing it. Oh yeah. Um, Jersey Joe came in after that. Greetings from New Jersey. Thrilled to be here. Took the bus in. <laughs> uh, what town did you come in from? Uh, Spring Lake. That's oddly enough. That's exactly where Dave lives. Oh, I, I probably know the McDonald's. I've lived there for years. So, out of all of Jersey, that's the town that you're from. Mm-hmm. It's a coincidence, I guess. That was one of my favorite voices, and he had Jersey down. That's everything we think of when we think of Jersey. Uh, then we had Barry Delmar, which right now I don't remember. Pep, right wing guy, right wing oh. talker. Yeah. Morning, everyone. Uh, not exactly a good morning because there's been an attack. Attack on what, Barry? There's been an attack on the American family. It started out with this gay marriage bill passing in New York City. Uh huh. So that gave liberals license. To attack the American family, the institution of the American family. Now, not only figuratively, but physically as well. So you're kind of, it's not a religious note, you're like a a talk radio guy. 
You're like a right-wing talk radio guy. Well, I'm a full-time Sunday school teacher mm-hmm. and uh, in Sarasota, Florida, and also studying to get my AA in Christian leadership from Liberty College Online. Okay. I like Barry a lot. I think he's probably my number two. He's pretty great. Barry yeah. was fucking in it. He was coming right out the gate. I don't think anyone's going to beat uh, Frank Watson, but Barry is right there as number two. Here's Hank Reynolds. Good evening. I'm Hank Reynolds. Ronifest News. To catch Chris Hansen, the host of To Catch a Predator, Chris Hansen, that series on NBC News, was caught on hidden camera himself having a date with another woman who wasn't his wife. The sting operation was set up by the National Enquirer. See, I like Hank Reynolds. I think we should have probably kept him a little further away from Barry since they were the same guy. Kind of. Here's Loretta. Here she is, today's co-host, Loretta Watkins. Thank you, boys, for having me here. Loretta, did you hear any of the stuff that we were talking about? I was able to pick up some of it from the booth. I Uh, don't, you know, I was hoping I wouldn't be in a booth filled with boys, but that's what happened. I like Loretta. Yeah, I love Loretta. I want to put Loretta right up there with Barry. Still behind. See, I think Loretta should have been worked a little harder. I liked her a lot. I, thought she, I liked her voice. Great she, voice. She reminded me of that guy on uh, Saturday Night Live, though. That's always uh, coming on. Like He's the shy guy. Okay. What's his name? I don't know. Some gay character. <laughs> like right now on uh, Saturday Night Live, they'll just go, Look, start laughing. This guy's pretending he's gay. Watch. They're going to kiss mouth. See? Check gay. it out. You like that? Laugh. And then here's, uh, <coughs> wrapping it up, Max Anderson-Williams. They call me the fresh maker. Refreshing the ad campaigns for different products, slogans, and celebrities. Is that right? So you're the fresh maker. I'm the fresh maker. I'm Max Anderson-Williams. <laughs> oh, boy. I know that we're on to something when we start to repeat our names and what we do. Who are you again? Max Anderson-Williams. All right. I love him. I like Max. He was the uh, guy who came up with the idea of how to change the product, not do the ad campaign at all. That's right. That's Ma, baby. Ma. Ma. All coming to us. Uh, Hicks, I want you to write down who you want your return to be. Okay. I got a pen here. All right. And you know what? Send me in the intern no-name who's been on fucking fire. Okay. No-name, get in here. What are you mad at him for? I just want him to get here quickly. I know, but why you get angry? He's a very nice kid. And he's I know. On fire. Yeah, but I, he better stay on fire. Is all I'm yeah. saying. Uh, all right, no name. I want you to write down the character that you would like to come back right now. All right. By the way, people are loving your songs. Have you got anything going out there for Jennifer Hut? 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 Working on it. Working on it. What are you working on for her? Show intros. Oh, because she's very embarrassed about the show intros they gave her. The auto tunes. <laughs> They're fucking seriously. <laughs> They're like that, uh, whatever the name, black girl. Whatever, um, everyone got mad at that little girl for making a fucking stupid video. Isn't her last name Black? I think it's oh, Frank Rebecca, Bra- Rebecca Black. No, yeah. it's Frank Black. No, no, no. He's not a little girl. This one shocked me. Uh, because I was asking for Frank Watson back, but the person we're bringing back 
right now and have all the theme music ready. <laughs> it's Jersey Joe. Jersey Woo! Joe coming yeah, in. Yeah, Jersey Joe in the house. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Get crazy, get wild, let's party, get loud. If you wanna have fun and do something, if you wanna have fun and do something, we're not talking, Jersey Joe. Let's party, get loud. Yeah, Jersey Joe wasn't, uh. Somehow I just ended up in here. On the bus from Jersey, and next thing I knew I was in here. I wasn't expecting it. I think I was supposed to be going somewhere else. Blacking out, Jersey Joe? Maybe I was headed to Yonkers. Well, when you start talking about Jersey stuff, Jersey Joe? Boy, that Chris Christie, everyone's, uh, he's down in the polls. People, uh, they, they're mad at him. So true, Jersey Joe. It's very weird. The nation loves him, but his own state despises him. Word! The Republican Party wants to get him to run for president. I think this is Barry. They, uh, <laughs> the state just wants him to run away. GTL. Plenty going on with the Jersey Shore. People are in. People are out. True. Vinny was leaving. Now Vinny's supposedly back. The situation was out, and now the situation's back. It's like Snooky's venereal disease. It just keeps flaring up. It's here one day, back again another. Old Jersey Joe. Damn, JJ. Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan, but I just always thought the name sounded too much like anchovy. True again, Jersey Joe. Gives me gas. Uh, Paul, you're on with Jersey Joe. Hello, buddy. Hey, Jersey Joe. What can we do for you today? <laughs> I just want to ask you, what uh, exit off the turnpike do you live in? The third one. The I, third let the, I let the bus driver do all the work. Jerry, you're in Fez. Jersey Joe, where in the Jersey Shore do you vacation every summer? Right there on the beach. Which shore? Which shore town? Sunset. Sunset. Where's that near? It's uh, towards the end of the shore. Towards the end of the shore? Oh. You mean South Jersey? Okay, yeah. It's more of a retirement community. I don't get to see much of the shore itself. Hmm. You still hang around with Bart Simpson and dress up hmm. like a clown? All right, this is Ron Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Chris Stanley, this juggalo thing that you're worrying about, I don't think you need to. Anything I else bothering you? Anything so. else in your wheelhouse? I think so. Oh, the um, one of the jurors from the Casey Anthony trial now has to leave Florida. She's she's quit her job and just got the hell out of there. She's it's a very smart move because her life. you take the offensive 
and act like if I don't get relocation money, I could die down here. <laughs> there were people in the streets calling for the hides of the jurors. Yeah, that doesn't make any... That's crazy. <laughs> now, tomorrow's the big day, right? Tomorrow she gets out. Yeah, she. that's, that's the release date of her, whatever, week in jail, under a week, I think. Uh, what would what would your meal be? You just got out. Oh Jesus Christ! Blooming onion from Outback Steakhouse. Nothing else. It's just straight blooming onion. I go, go straight. In for an appetizer. <laughs> oh, I would love it. I'd devour it. I <laughs> fucking love it so much. As soon as I get the, she's but she's only three years, pretty much. Three years is fucking ridiculous <laughs> amount of time. Yeah. Now, if I'm her, uh, where would you do? Would you just go for the highest bidder? For this uh, news, uh, the first interviewer, or would you go say, I want to be with an interviewer who's going to take care of me? I want to think my class up. I think she is going to go for the highest bidder. I don't, I don't think she's going to think out what, what she, how she's going to look afterwards. Now, anyone who gets her first is also going to look like shit. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to look like you just paid the baby killer. Yeah. Definitely. I, I heard the rumor that but I think Springer offered her a million. or that might That's just a rumor. Dude, Not true at all. Want it to be true. Yeah, I don't think she'd be treated very well on that show. I think she would get fucking, even look like more like shit. Those black chicks would be uh, like yelling, her ass needs to, oh, would she kill my baby? <laughs> uh, to me, she would become an instant legend because the press is going to be all around her. If she grabs the first microphone and rips a fart into it, <laughs> she will be unstoppable. She'll be the queen of punk rock. She'll be the media sensation that we always want. Now, I wonder if they're going to throw her on a private plane and get out of fucking Florida. I don't think you want to be sitting in Florida if you're her. No. With the, people are going to fucking attack her. She will get fucked with. It's not, without a doubt. If they're if the jurors fucking dead, they, they, she doesn't have a chance. Now, there, the was, weird there was some speculation that she might even have to go out of the country. That no state was safe for her. We all heard that about OJ, and then look where he retired peacefully, Florida. No one ever bothered him. He was fine there. No. So maybe now as a return, she should go to Los Angeles, California, home of the doors. Oh, and I don't know how easy it's going to be for her to get in to other countries right away. I don't think she's probably got a working passport. Fuck no. You know? Fuck no. She doesn't know anything about passport or foreign countries at all. She don't know shit. But I know that she would probably... I just hope she starts again. I mean, when she is pregnant, the fucking tabloids are going to go ass crazy. Oh, they can't wait. They just cannot wait for that. They'll just have content for fucking nine months. This OL go-to fucking story where they can fucking... No, you think she killed the kid, right? Yeah, I think she, I think yeah, she she's fucking. Put now I want you to tell me, true or false? Okay. She comes out of jail. Uh huh. You're the first guy she meets. Uh huh. She wants to have sex with you. <laughs> could you bang the baby killer? If I were single and she, I, I could bang the baby killer. Knowing she killed a baby. Yeah. With took a fucking brick to its head. Yeah, whatever. So I'm not a baby. <laughs> So as long as it didn't happen here. <laughs> so you could have literally fucking got Ava Brom. All right, here's David. You're in Ronnie Fez. Hey, Ronnie. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, Jersey, was it Mike or Joe or whatever? Joe. How's it going, guys? Jersey, hey, Joe. man, uh, actually, uh, she gets out on Sunday. They uh, redid the numbers and said that she owes them, you know, another four days. So, you know, that's, that's pretty tough on her. Oh, splitting fucking hairs, these people. What time on Sunday did she get out? I don't know. And that's the thing is everything's closed on Sunday, man. She can't, she can't celebrate. It's a trick. She'll be out like Friday or Thursday. All right, there's another Jersey Joe prediction. Jersey Joe thinking they're going to tell the press Sunday, slip her out in the middle of the night. That's actually interesting. Now, I don't know whether you can do that. I don't know whether the government can lie to the press. <laughs> you know, if they were a regular corporation, they could say it. But, you know, I guess the press has... A right to be there, but it's a, it's actually a great scam. I like your idea, Jersey Joe. I just don't know whether legally they can pull that off. Plus, they'll probably want a perp walker right to the last second. Oh my God, they're gonna be, they're gonna miss her so much. They would I get away with it by reca They've recalculated twice since she was supposed to be released. Right, but they also have to tell the press when they do it. You know, the press is going to go ape shift. They don't get it. And then start talking about collusion. And these people at the jail, it's not like they like her. They despise her. They'd love to see her do something. They end up back in jail again. They're not like Pepper Hicks willing to have um, sex with her. Whatever. She's a free woman. Now, here's the thing that I don't understand. Uh, you know that if you're a child rapist, right? Yeah. They will kill you in prison, right? Yeah. <clears throat> if you're a child killer, do they rape you in prison? Um. Yeah, I think they, they give you a good raping. I think that's just a general punishment for anyone they don't like. Raping. What if the person likes to be raped? <sighs> that's, that's a fucking conundrum right there. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. Um, Scott, you're on run of Fez. How we doing, Fez, eh? Jersey Joe's here today. Oh, shit, I fucked up. I uh, just wanted to know if you guys heard about the uh, petition online at Kayleeslaw.org. They're trying to make it a law that within 24 hours you have to report a child missing or it's a felony. Why do we need to make that a law when it's never fucking happened before? Well, you gotta love it. If no, it I don't love it. I think it's fucking stupid. I think it's stupid to act like we're making up a new law for something people don't do. Yeah, it's fucking bad shit. One fucking lunatic is it. If it was truly Kaylee's law, they would have to report it within 31 days. Oh, let's not make Kaylee the butt of the jokes. Let's make Casey. Kelly was just a nice little girl. Oh, yeah. She had some bad luck. Maybe according to her, her, you know, mom's lawyer, it was just an accident. Yeah. It was an accident, and then they panicked when there was an accident and chucked her. Into a swamp. That don't make you feel so bad, knowing that she got away with just panicking and chucking. Yeah, but, you know, maybe it wasn't. Um, Brian, in New Mexico, you're on Running Fez. Hey, uh, I used to teach like, a class in the prison, uh, and I, I didn't know it at first. I found out like eight weeks into it, but uh, 
these guys were all child sex offenders, and uh, they wrote about and talked about uh, what their lives were like in prison. And uh, believe me, no one wants to go to prison as a child sex offender. It's uh, one guy who was talking about how uh, he has a life on the outside with a wife and two kids, and uh, he also has a, a marriage on the inside that he had to keep uh, in order to stay alive. And he essentially is living uh, the life of a wife for this guy and, and does all of his cleaning. And Yeah, but he know, might dig he, it. He might, sure. Um, so there's no, there's no way to fucking know that. I mean, the guy's in there is half a fucking sissy. Why not? Um, Craig, you're on the run for the show. Honey. Yes, sir. Have you seen the uh, documentary called uh, Dear Zachary? No, I couldn't watch it. I have oh, a, I really struggle with anything that hurts kids, yeah. even if it's in fiction. I just, I, I can't stand the thought of a kid getting hurt. It's like top rated on Netflix. I had no idea what it was. Me and my wife got halfway through it, and it's the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. But it just made me think of the whole Casey Anthony thing. What happened, Hicks? What happened to Zachary? Did he get better at the end? Yeah, right, he got good. everything was good. So there's no, yeah. did he get a dog? Yeah. Uh, yeah, almost. Is he doing good now? Is he up. making friends at school? Yeah, and that dog's grown up, too, and everything's great. At least we can make life okay for kids. No, that's how, that seems actually pretty hard for most people. No, we were talking about the 2030 book. We did the book club last week and about the elderly. New piece comes out about China again. Mm -hmm. They have a syndrome called the Little Emperor where they can only have the one boy. Yeah. And he is the full love of his parents and both sets of grandparents. So there's the one little emperor, and he has the full attention of, all these, of these six people, right? But the downside is he's got to take care of them when, he gets, when they get old. Okay, yeah. So we're going to have a system in China where one person it's is going to be responsible... For six elderly. Now, Fez has three uh, brothers and sisters. So, when his parents got older, Fez knew exactly what kind of, uh, what his dad would want to do, whether he'd want to be resuscitated or not, made the decision there. Uh, what kind of funeral he wanted, perfect decision all the way through. <coughs> all wrong choices. What's that? All wrong choices. Where's Jersey Joe? JJ, where's Jersey Joe? Oh, you said Fez's dad. I said, yes, I did say Fez's dad. Yeah. So I was just popping in to... Yeah, I didn't know any of that. Where's Jersey Joe? Jersey Joe's right here. Well, what's his opinion? My parents died so long ago, it's hard to remember. Or Fez's situation. The Little Empress. But anyway, I thought it tied in so much with the 2030. Like perfectly. Now we're going to announce our 2030 winner tomorrow. Um, they get the signed book by Albert Brooks. And I believe a lunch with Mr. Brooks. Uh, no, just the signed book. That's too bad. Because <laughs> the lunch would have been amazing. That's pretty dope. Did you like the book? Um... But that should be uh, exciting. Tomorrow we give that out. But it's so weird. Since we read that book, how many things pop up in the news? So many. China's all over. The young versus old. And they showed this little emperor, and he's so happy now. Because the whole world's all about him. But his fucking adulthood is going to be gone to him. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Hope you're fucking joining now, buddy. 
The only thing that could save him financially, and this happens in China where the army will come in and mow down people. So he has to hope <laughs> that eventually his parents and grandparents will die in machine gun fire. Hopefully they become revolutionaries. And then there, everything's fucking laid out for him. By the way, Mikey Trains said, if I was on death row, my last wish would be to talk to Ronnie B. Dude, I'm going to make that wish come true. The second before they put that spike in your vein, I'm going to come in and we're going to be like two buddies together and start talking. Nice. And I'll say to you, where did you bury the money? Where did you bury the money? Time for us to say hello to the Daily Leader. Hey, Jersey Joe, which Jersey Shore member do you stroke your limp cock to? Oh, shit! Your mother's... You're not on Jersey Shore. On Jersey Shore? Oh. Oh, she'll be under it. That's good. Under the ah. That's right. Hmm. Dead. Do a lot of people open up places they call the Jersey Store? Yeah. That's a great idea. It is. Come to the Jersey Store. It's on the Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore? More like Jersey Poor. <laughs> well, it's good to know Vinny's back and all these people are back. They just took a couple days off. Yeah, they're, but they're still all circling, you know? They're still all around a little bit. Well, I ain't going to end the show today without saying goodbye to Radio Shark. Oh, oh come on. Oh. Why? Why? Say hello. No Name's got him fucking figured out. No Name's rocking and rolling. Who was the other intern today? Spanky Frank. I didn't hear shit out of Spanky. No Name has moved up. Spanky's number two on Pips. I don't know, hasn't been able to find himself. He's doing, he's, he's handling editing stuff behind the scenes. Oh, so he's yeah. doing good behind the scenes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright. That changes things for me. Maybe that's why Brazilian Julie was so interested. Possibly. I know I don't have time for this, but I just want to know if um, this is offensive. Last night I'm going through the thing, and on the adult channel, there was a uh, a thing about tsunami team pussies. <laughs> and do you think that it's too close to call really wet pussy a tsunami? I had a debate on this. I did not think it was. No, it's not. It's just a fucking wet Asian pussy. That's all. But tsunami, being that yeah. like this pussy is so wet that millions of people could die if they lived on the shoreline. And it sucks things into it, I guess, too. Yeah, well, it sucks the fucking tide back up. Yeah, or the jizz and cock. I think it's a perfect way to describe. Hey, it was an earthquake that fucked everything up initially. So, yeah, the tsunami thing's fine. So we're back to characters, huh, Jersey Joe? So well, tomorrow... Fez could be here tomorrow. Hmm? Fez could be here tomorrow. Will you vouch for him? Yes, I will. We put a stack of money up that if... What about this? If he freezes, we get lunch. All right. That's a, I'll speak for Fez and say deal. All right. Tomorrow, Operation Fez Freeze is on. Operation Fez Freeze. Right, Fez Freeze. We're going to be coming out of Does that include run out of... Well, I guess the freeze would be running out of stuff. Yeah. That, that would include Looks like Fez is going to start the show tomorrow. The way I'm looking at it, we could be eaten by... Probably eleven ten. Well, Jersey Joe, thanks. And I think you did much better today than the last time you were in. 
Uh, we got anything we need to plug, Hicks? Uh, we still have a few seats left for Unmasked with Phil Rosenthal. That's coming up next week on the 19th at 4 p.m. That's Phil Rosenthal, creator of Everyone Loves Rain. There's still a few seats left. Go to Unmasked Show on Twitter. Well, we've plugged that so many times that I'm excited about it. Oh, real quick. Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk. <laughs>